I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology. JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalbe, and the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. You don't get to go and race World Cups by being a slow rider, but like you've got to make it to the bottom and you've got to have all the equipment and stuff and all your ducks in a line, you know, with yeah, equipment, physical and mental. And um, I didn't really have any of those, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but it it showed me at least I was like aware enough. And um, I was also coming in where I knew a lot of the riders because a lot of them were like would come to New Zealand like so I was friends with like Ratboy and Samba, Sambo and then all the Kiwis were like kind of on a bit of a rise then Brooke was killing it um had a lot of friends that were set were kind of on the up in the downhill world and I was quite embarrassed because um you know I I thought I had kind of big shoes to fill um so it kind of like fired me up to go and figure it out I was so frustrated. Yeah. Like, I remember I just wanted to go straight home to the gym and lift, (laughs) drop heavy weights. I've never actually experienced frustration like it and anger. I was, that's probably the angriest I've been after a bike race because all I knew, I was told before, all I had to do was enter better and I would have got the overall. Yeah. And you tripped it in the bushes. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking going out the staircase, but. I just was trying to break every turn on the track. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen the crash video and I remember thinking, yeah. Look, what was he doing here? He has come 10. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't make the turn. I just went straight over it. Like, Danny was so annoying before he went green. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's happening. Danny is just going to get second or third and I'm going to lose the overall. This is it, you know? And I, so I went to Amore and I was like, yo, dude, fuck, that was such a cool season. I'm pissed off, but congrats for Ryan and when by the time I said that the last no the second to last split comes up and then he's green season 5 episode 10 here we go and it's a Christmas cracker of a show after breaking the biggest mountain bike story of the year in the last episode there was only one man who could follow up something so large Unfortunately, we did Jack Redding's retirement 20 questions in the last episode, so we're just going to have to make do with Super Bruni. <laughs> if this was a Christmas nativity, we've got the Son of God, we've got Emmy and Jack who could play Mary and Joseph, and then joining us from the start, we've got Dean Lucas. Welcome to the show, Dean. Hello, guys. How are we all? All good. If you could choose your part in the nativity, Dean, what would you go for? Wise man? Oh, yeah, I'll go wise man. Wise man. Actually, no, I don't know who like what the other ones are. So, yeah. Angel Gabriel, a star. Any of them? Is there a donkey? I'm a bit donkey, I reckon. Donkey, yeah. Where <laughs> yeah. I feel today, I'll just be donkey. <laughs> Guess uh, who went to watch his daughter's nativity yesterday? There you go. Oh Jack. yeah. I saw that was on. Jack, Emmy, Merry Christmas to you. How are you doing? Cheers, mate. Good, thank you. Um, I think I'll uh, take the opportunity to do the same as what I did last year and give you a shout out, George. Um, like I said last year, like this podcast that everyone enjoys is is obviously down to yourself and you write the scripts and make it all happen and you're absolutely killing it. Me and Emmy just show up and talk. So yeah, <laughs> big shout out to you from me and Emmy and all. Yeah, George. Uh, thank you. you. The man. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, thank you. But you guys, uh, you guys make it what it is, really. That's why everyone loves listening to you guys chat. So... Emmy, as Jack and I queued up to see Santa at the nursery Christmas party last week, we, we commented how much we'd definitely be, be, rather be stood there freezing our bits off than hanging out on a beach in Brazil. How, how, was, how was the vacation? <laughs> was good. was good, actually. Um, we rolled a little bit. We still were very active, um, ran on the beach. It was, it was warm, definitely warm and nice. It rained quite a bit, though, but... Um, it was um, it was incredible to just be surrounded by Brazilian culture. I recommend it for anyone that is a little bit stressed out that has much going on. You should go to Brazil because this is definitely another way to see life, and it's way more chilled out than Europe. So it was definitely good, and got a little bit of tan, but not enough. So um, no, it was it was good times. Excellent, Jack. We've seen you've been riding a raw yalla over the last few weeks. Does that mean uh, you and the team are racing for raw now next season? Well, yeah, I mean, I have been riding some, testing some of the bikes. Um, Stiff helped us out this year. Big shout out to Stiff that helped us out with getting hold of the Santa Cruises. But maybe a couple of months ago, they told me that that wasn't going to be possible for next year. Um, they have tried to help us find some other options with GT being one of them. But again, with the bike industry being in the place it's in, um, they kind of came back to me and said, look, there's uh, th there's going to be nothing we can do in terms of frames. So yeah, been testing some of the things, obviously, as as people have seen, the Roar is one of them. 
Um, I'm going to keep people uh, keep people guessing as to what I've decided we're going to be doing. Um, let people know in January what what we're going to do. Cool. Right then, Dean Lucas. The intro to the show is traditionally the part where we chat about team rumours, and I'm I'm not putting any pressure on here, but it, it needs to be better than Greg Minard to Norco. What have you got for us? <laughs> oh, Charlie Harrison returning to. Um, I forgot. What's what's Nico's brand? Um, frameworks. Oh, frameworks. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm putting it out there. I reckon that's a, I reckon that's going to be a thing. That's a good. <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. Nest in the bike, and I know it sounds like he's keen, so if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be ace. So, I know last time I talked to him, he said he was missing it, and he's still young, and I know leaving the mountain bike world, you kind of realise that that is a bit of a fairy tale lifestyle to a certain extent, so I think Ooh. he does miss it. He was going to come back, so he had the speed. He just had a lot of injuries, and I think he's probably got a white head on his shoulder. So if he can come back, I'm sure he could be back up there if he wanted to be. Excellent. Well, I've written a line in here that says, is there any point doing team rumors anymore? I think we completed it, but that was a really good one. I like that. I like that. That's naughty. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's get on with the show. For anyone who's been living under a rock earlier this year, after 11 seasons of World Cup racing, Dean announced his retirement, and we're delighted to have him here to play 20 questions with us. But first, we need to dig a little bit deeper. Dean, I remember we, we commented on the show that you looked to be, to be in great shape physically coming into 2023. Tell us what's prompted the decision to retire. I was going to say Jack, actually. Now, I listened to the episode, and I was going to say Jack nailed that. When he said, um, Scott kind of gave me a little kick up the ass and was just like, need to make it happen kind of thing. And then coming in, I was, I kind of knew I was that they actually offered me a two year deal at the end of, um, 2022. They said, you can have a two year deal. And I was kind of in two minds whether I wanted to stay or go. And I said, just give me a one and I'll know at the end of this season whether I want to do it again. And they're like, yep, that's cool. But I was like, all right, if I do it. I want to train, I want to be fit, I want to be healthy, I want to pro- like properly give it a crack. But my heart just wasn't in it. I wasn't like I was going for rides and I was, I'd be, I remember I went for a ride on my e bike in the off season before uh, Lenza Hyde and I was just out riding by myself. And I was just like, I would rather be almost anywhere else than here right now. And it's like, no matter how fit you get, no matter how whatever, if your heart's not in something, it's never going to be the right thing. So I kind of had inklings that that was where I was at. And then I had a pretty terrible start to the season, which just crashes. And obviously, if your head's not in it, your heart's not in it, these things sneak up on you and get you. So it was, um, it was actually really hard. It was like a lot of mental kind of battles for the first half of the season. And then I went home after Baldasol, and I kind of just decided when I came home that this is it, I'm going to do it. And it was almost like a weight was lifted. It was like a actually really nice feeling. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I felt lighter. And then yeah. coming back over, I kind of didn't care anymore. I did care still, but I went to Andorra and it was just like, who gives a shit? That's my last go at it. Let's have some fun. And then I actually started riding better. And the three races, um, Andorra, Lidon Vial, and then Leger were my favorite race of the whole season. I remember just, I just was smiling the whole time. I enjoyed racing my bike again for that little instance. So yeah, I think you just kind of know yourself and what works for you. And if it's not working, don't be too worried to try something else and see how that goes. So you've just told us that Charlie Harrison might be coming back. Do you think maybe 12 months off the bike and then we could see Dean Lucas returning? 
Uh, depending on the body, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> hopefully the nerves have reattached themselves by then. We're yeah. doing pretty good, but we're definitely not back to 100%. Yeah, so that huge crashing snowshoe at the end of September left you, you temporarily paralysed. Just just how scary was that and, and how are you doing now? That was, um, yeah, honestly, probably scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. Being in that, it was almost just like a nightmare you want to wake up from, but it was, it was one of those things. So I was conscious the whole time when it happened. So kind of, it was a quite a tricky se- section of, I think like probably 15 people hit the same tree. I know I saw a lot of videos of people and they kind of, you went into a slot and it kind of shot you at it. And I came in and I'd actually crashed there, not badly, just slipped out twice in the, the run before. So I was kind of coming in tight, a bit nervous, a bit anxious. And I came in tight and I slipped again. And it put me in the V and then just shot me straight at the tree. Now I just didn't even have time to hands out or anything. So the head took the full impact. I don't know how fast I was going, maybe like 35Ks and something like that. Um, found out afterwards that I actually hit the top of my head, which put my chin into my chest, which stretched my spinal cord. And when it did that, your body goes into like a safety response where it completely shuts off. But at the time I'm laying on the ground, well, I'm laying upside down. I got my legs over my head, not really being able to breathe properly. And I'm conscious the whole time. So obviously asking people around me to help me, they don't want to help me straight away. Obviously it's a spinal injury. So in that moment, yeah, you kind of, you don't know what to think, but they ended up flattening me out. And I remember the lady there's like lifted my hands up and she's like, can you squeeze my fingers? And my hands just went like this and just dropped onto my body. And I've never been in a situation like that where I had no feeling and I knew how hard I hit the tree and then I knew I had pain in my neck and then the rest of my body was completely numb like I had no feeling no movement nothing I was just completely numb so obviously first thought is you've broken your neck then you're probably going to be paralyzed and that was kind of the thought that kind of kept spiraling around for those 10 minutes but it was it was funny I was like I'd go from scared to that and then I'd go to really angry because I had four days left. Obviously, Monsignor was going to be my last World Cup. So I was like, you've done this for 17 years and you paralyzed yourself with four days to go, which seemed pretty shit. So then that would happen. And then it was actually this really peaceful point that I would get to when I kind of realized that if that was, if that was it, if I was paralyzed, well, okay, well, what can you focus on to pull yourself somewhat out of this? scared angry state so i just started focusing on like the leaves in the trees and the wind on my face and just like little sensations and little things and obviously there's chaos going on around me and i just pulled these little things out of those moments to try and like bring myself some kind of i guess happiness in a way and because my body was completely shut off it was like this ultimate form of like meditation because there was nothing else to feel and it's like obviously people that meditate um for years try and just get in their head and out of their body and I was going to say, I kind of just hurried that up really quick by going headfirst into a tree. And, and then I would cycle around those states for about those 10 minutes. I'd kind of go around. And then eventually um, the medics, well, one of the medics asked me if I could lift my arm. And I said no. But then she's like, oh, you're doing a good job. And I had no um, no feeling. And I looked over and my arm was like, imagine it was like on a... Um, like a puppet had it and it was kind of moving around like a puppet with absolutely no control for me. I just was, I, I, I couldn't feel anything. And as soon as I saw that, I have a, um, a cousin that's a quadriplegic. He dove into his swimming pool on his 21st birthday and hit the bottom and severed his spinal cord. 
And he, he's in a chair and he can use his hands, but it's similar to that where he doesn't really have control. So straight away, my mind went to, fuck, I'm a quadriplegic now. And then that thought's going through my head. And yeah, it's just, these, I was like an emotional rollercoaster that kind of kept spinning around until they, uh, they got me on a backboard. They put a neck brace on me and they started taking me down the hill. And as I was going down the hill, I just started tapping my toes. And I was asking the guy, the medic that was with me, I'm like, am I tapping my toes? And he's like, yeah, you are. And that was, I kind of, that was the first point where I was like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm probably going to be able to walk again. And that was like the first like deep breath of, of relief after the whole incident. But it was, it was kind of short lived because then as soon as I was like, I'm oh, probably going to walk again, then the pain started coming in. So I was like, mm-hmm. you got something back and then the pain joined it. So yeah. And that's, yeah, it was a roller coaster and it was, yeah, it was. It was a big hit, but no, very lucky anyway. So how are you doing now? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good now. I, um, like the first, um, the first month was hard flying back. I had to fly back economy with a neck brace and sit in the middle seat because they didn't have any upgrades. So yeah, spinal cord injury, barely any strength, barely any movement. I think it was a six hour flight and a 14 hour flight and just, I, I didn't go to the, I went to the bathroom once in a week and like, cause everything, I think all my feeling and nerves shut off. I couldn't, I, I couldn't pee properly. I didn't know how to pee. I couldn't go to the toilet properly for so long. Um, it was actually, it was kind of funny. I was, um, we were driving from uh, snowshoe to Montreal and we ended up stopping at an Applebee's to get dinner and I couldn't eat because I, I hadn't gone to the toilet in like four or five days. So I couldn't eat anything. And I was like, I need to go try and go to the toilet. I'm, I'm like, I'm busted. Like, I'm not, I obviously need to go, but I couldn't. So I went to go to the toilet and it was, there was people in it. And there was a, like a girl's toilet next to it. So I was like, I'll just go in the girl's toilet. So I go in there. And then anyway, the manager must have saw me go in. And he comes in. He's like, oh, is there a guy in here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, mate, you need to get out. Kind of had a bit of a go. So I come out of the door and he, I don't think he saw that I had a neck brace on and that I was in the state I was. Cause he saw me and he's like, oh, are you okay? I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm not. And he's just like, oh, I'm all good. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry as well. And I sat down at the table just to like watch the other people eat dinner. Anyway, Tony Seagrave was just there randomly. And you know how Tony's like the kind of the biggest hard ass? He, um, he came over. It was actually the first time I think in my entire life he was actually sympathetic towards me and, <laughs> and nice. And it just like, it sent me over the edge. Hey, like I was obviously in a lot of pain, a lot of emotion, all these things had been going on. I couldn't sleep. I was freezing. Like my temperature wasn't in my body. And it was funny because Tony coming up just to be nice, it just like pushed me over the edge. And I ended up, I was like, I had to get out of the restaurant. I went back to the car and I had a, just a full, pretty much panic attack, meltdown, just like, like tears, everything. And it was just like, it all just, all this emotion and stuff came out of me. And it was probably in there for about 10 minutes, just in a state and then ended up messaging the team. I was like, I'm going to come back inside. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me if I'm okay. I'm not okay, but there's nothing you can say to help me. So I go back and sit down and a few people like kind of like try and be like, you're good. And I'm just like, just like eat your food. I'm all good. I'm just going to sit here and then we'll go. And like in those moments, like that was, that was tough. Like you've got a team I've been on for five years. You're about to go to your retirement race and you're literally just having panic attacks in the car park of Applebee's because you can't move and you don't have temperature in your body. So 
there's a bit of, um, I guess, mental struggle to go through there. But like I said, I'm pretty good now and coming out the other side and feel strong before it. But yeah, there was some some damn fucking hard days to to kind of mix in with it. Yeah, that's it. It's that's it's just the worst nightmare scenario, isn't it? You know, yeah, paralyzed. That that is one thing I think everybody who rides races bikes fears the the most. You know, it's yeah. It's I, I feel like I almost manifested this because in a podcast I did with the my cousin, he's a, the quadriplegic. I talked about it because it was always a fear of mine. Like I always thought it was a possibility. Like it was a real conscious thought that getting paralyzed does kind of come with the job in a certain sense or could come with the job. And I was always real scared about it. And I was like, that's the worst case scenario. Like, fuck, my life would be over. And I'd always dwell on that. And then I remember when I started doing the podcast, I kind of used this as a bit of a positive. I'm like, well, if it happened, I probably had more time to focus on the podcast, <laughs> kind of like close the door, open a window. And then ironically enough, it almost happened. And then since I retired, I'm focusing more on the podcast. Yeah. So it's like we did like created it myself story. I don't know. It was a weird thing. We talked about it on the podcast with him, how I mentioned that. So I almost need to find a little snippet or clip. Yeah. And- clip it up. <laughs> so have you yeah. got full, mo- full movement back now? Yeah, yeah. I've got full movement. Hands are good. Still um, pins and needles and fingers, like not full um, sensation like you normally would have. Yeah. And nerve endings haven't quite gone back in my arms. So just really weak, like can't, like no way I could do like a chin up and push ups. Maybe I'll do five or something. So we got a long way to go, but we're like, we started training again and the goal is to get as fit, if not fitter than we were. Cool. So after the last episode of the pod, one of the comments on the gram said, you guys know what you're talking about. Maybe give Warner Brothers a shout. They could do with a hand. And I was thinking that probably the only people less likely than us to get a call from Warner Brothers is you and the Masters Brothers. Fair to say you weren't a big fan of the, of the changes this season? Yeah, my biggest thing was the like lack of transparency, transparency with what was happening. Like they did some stuff good and I praise the stuff they did that was good. But my biggest thing that I was trying to call them out on is like, if you're going to make a decision, get someone to stand up and make a decision and do it in a place where like, we know who's made the decision. We know why they're like, people hide behind a logo or a label of Warner Brothers. Like who's making the decision? They're like, Oh, this person, that, that, like we don't know. It's all Chinese whispers. Like the fact that like I went um, into the tent at Ludon Vial and it's all these top riders in the world and they're in a little fucking easier tent bitching and moaning about why why it got cancelled. I'm like, why aren't you with the organisers or why aren't we in like a proper meeting room? You're standing up. Like you look at the UFC or something like that, like Dana White stands up. If there's a decision made, he answers to the media and everything gets put out on the table. And like, why isn't something like that done at a World Cup? It's like, we just, this person makes the decision and gets put down a chain or whatever. And then we all go, oh, okay, I guess that's what's happening. And there's no accountability. That was my, that was my biggest issue. And that's what I was trying to point. Like even at um, Andorra, me and Eddie did a little like podcast chat thing. Yeah. And I went on Pinkbike and there's people commenting like, why am I getting my information about a World Cup getting canceled or not from two World Cup races? Like yeah. when you have a whole production company there to get that information and they're getting it from people that are actually in the event, like that to me just seems like baffling. Like I like it because it's like it promotes me and Eddie. It's good for us, but from the outside, it just seems stupid. Yeah, your updates were great. It's the only knowledge we were getting, you know. 
But why am I? Like, why? Why? Why is a World Cup racer having to give updates when there's there's a production company here that people are paid to do those updates? <laughs> yeah, that's that, and that was my issue. Like they did some, like there was some good stuff for sure. And I think people kind of, I hate when people just jump on a negative bandwagon. And I never want to be that person just to shit on someone because they're giving it a go. They obviously are invested in like mountain biking. They're not the devil. There's just some certain things that I was really clear about what didn't work for me per se. But I didn't want to shit can all of it because there was definitely some gems mixed in within what they were doing. Do Do you think it's going to improve, or do you think we'll look back on like the Red Bull years as the the golden years? I think it'll improve for sure. I think everything it's all evolution. There's always new stuff that that comes up and that happens. And I think mountain bikers are very stubborn, and we don't like change. Look at wheel size, for example. Three nineers start. Oh, no, they go faster. Everyone loves twenty nineers now. It's just we're yeah, we kind of cheap in a way, whatever is the flavor of the week. So I think it will get better. I think like Jack said before, the industry is in a tricky spot right now. So it might take a couple of years before it gets to a point where you actually feel it's coming in a better into a better place. But yeah, I I, I got hope for it, but it might just take a bit longer than we'd like. Cool. So let's get into it then. At the end of every season, we usually see a top rider or multiple riders stepping away from World Cup racing, and I thought it'd be interesting to ask them all the same 20 questions. The idea isn't unique. I stole it from a TV program called Inside the Actors Studio, but it is quite cool. Emmy, do you want to kick us off? Sure. All right, Dean. um, First question for you, favourite World Cup track? I used to love Valdesol before it got real scary. Uh Like. Old school Valdezol, like it was hard, but it wasn't like as scary. I swear it's just like when we raced it last year, I was like, I'm just surviving. This thing is. Yeah. What year, what year would you say is old school? I raced it in 2016. Is that old school? Just about. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, it was gnarly though for Worlds. That was, that got real yeah. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, before Worlds. Where it was yeah, like, before. I remember um, maybe 15, it was really fun. I just remember the 15 track and 14 was fun as well. Yeah. Back then, yeah, I really enjoyed it then because it was actually loam and like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out, but then it just got like now there's massive rock gardens that I don't think need to be there, but is what it is. All right. Then uh, your least favorite track. Oh, Fort William. why what do you dislike about that never had luck there i think every year i was looking back at roots and rain i think every year i've gone there i've either crashed i've got a flat i've got knocked out i've just it's just beat me up i've got one good racer as a junior i got third as a junior in 2013 and then after that i've just been through the meat grinder so, well, we should just, have put like with you on the show then because you guys are hater of Fort William. <laughs> there's a lot of people that circuit who hate Fort William. Yeah. I think you can count on one hand the number of riders who do like it. There's Greg, Amory, Charlie Hatton, probably now. It's just Never. the riders who've won there, and there aren't that many, are there? Yeah. It's just yeah. it's scary. Like, you've got to go so fast, and the like, it's such a tiny little my new line that you go through some of those rocky bit and it doesn't change you just got to hit it the same every lap and you just oh, i don't know i like when tracks change in a good way okay. like they shake over the weekend yeah. the four wheel it's rock i'm like that's rock's gonna be there the next run and the next run and the next run <laughs> <laughs> nice um 
Third question then, greatest rival. Ooh. Ooh. Greatest rival. I had a really good rival. His name, his name was James Carter, but that was when I was like a junior, like under 13 mm-hmm. and stuff. I remember he would beat me every race we'd go to. I get so frustrated and then he would go to the next race and beat me. And for about three years, I think he beat me every weekend. But it like actually taught me to, okay, I need to, I need to figure out how to win. And I always tell kids or parents, I'm like, your kids need to learn how to lose before they know how to win. And it was such a good lesson to lose again and again and again, and then build that resilience to keep trying and showing up. And then eventually I finally beat him in like my second year or first year under 17s. And then he only did another season, then he stopped. And it was just like he hadn't learned to lose yet because he always won everything. And then I think once he lost, it was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then he went and did something else. So it was definitely a good one. Maybe um, Connor, Fear. We've always had some good battles back and forth over the years in Australia and then in the World Cups. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. 10 years pretty- I've been building that resilience for. It's <laughs> but day will come, George. Your day will come. When that day comes, we'll <laughs> be ready. <laughs> so, fourth question then: best mate on the walk-up circuit? Oh, that's got to be Jack and Charlie. They go, they go an equals pair. They come with a combo deal. Like those intense days, that was that was something else. What's your favorite memory from those intense days? Just. Just all of it, just traveling around. I think 2017, staying in Warzine together and just getting up to no good and just, I don't know, looking back now, I like I appreciate it more. Like I knew it was good in the moment, but then you look back and you go, man, like we were all best mates on this team. We're all on the come up as well. We're just everyone. It was just really cool. It was really cool. We had Jen. She was the like team mom and she looked after us like a team mom and we were, yeah, it was just a really nice, it felt like more a really family. Like it felt like more of a family than a team. And yeah, we, we had some great, like it's very rare that like me and Jack grew up racing since we were 12 and then to be on a team together and being really at the, at the top of the sport at the time, like at um, Croatia, we always joked about getting the double podium and at Croatia, I got third and Jack got sixth. He missed Dak got him by like point. Zero two or something, and we always like ah, we always got the duck <laughs> together. But yeah, we um we had some really good times together. I'd I'd would be be good to go back and yeah do it again. Maybe we all join our uh, Nico's team. We'll just do a reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, Dean. So, what would you say your biggest strength has been while you've raced? I think in just enjoying it, having fun, not taking it as seriously as I think other people have and I think that's probably been a strength and maybe a hindrance at times because sometimes you kind of want to turn on I used to I noticed towards the end of like these last two years or three years even I used to have this thing where no matter how my week was going um no matter how my runs were going in practice I knew in a race run I could just turn it on like I could flick a switch and I remember in 2019 it felt like a that was like my biggest strength I remember at Leo Gang morning of race day i think i crashed both practice runs in the morning and i remember telling myself i was like doesn't matter you're just nailing your race run and then my race run was the best run i had all weekend by far but i just had that like confidence and belief that it was like okay it's showtime let's go and i always joke around i feel like i'm a a grade racer and a c grade rider like i know plenty of people that ride bikes way better than me but when we would race i'd always so yeah mentally i could i could really turn it on and 
that was something that I felt I kind of, once my heart wasn't in it, I lost that, that switch to flick. And I think that's when I started to know, okay, maybe this isn't to me anymore. Yeah. One thing I, I wanted to ask you was that 2021, you had that sixth in Leger and you were floating around the top 20. 2022, your results kind of pushed out to the top 30s and then this season it was top 40s. Do you think you've been standing still and the competition's got faster or do you think you slowed down? No, COVID changed my perspective on racing and kind of life in general. So I've never had the the fire to race like 2019, 10th in the overall, top 10s, real year. Um, and then COVID happened and it kind of opened up this door to all these different opportunities. And I just never felt like I, like racing wasn't the only thing anymore. And I kind of felt fulfillment in doing other things and kind of stole my attention. Yeah. Tony Robbins has a quote and he's like, if you want to take the island, you've got to burn the boats, which means if you want to, if you want something, there can't be an option B. It needs to be tunnel vision. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to get. And that used to be racing, like the island was downhill World Cup racing. Then when COVID happened, it created all these other boats. And I was like, maybe I want to go on the boat. Maybe the island doesn't look as appealing as it used to. And I just, I could never get back into that, um, that headspace with racing. And like, I wanted to, like, I wanted to still, it wasn't like I didn't want to be a World Cup racer, but I just, the fire kind of went out, so to say, and went back on again. So that's life. And I try not to. I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. It's just what it is. And yeah. I mean, I feel pretty happy about my decision now and yeah. the new, new chapter and let's see how that looks. Yeah, it's funny. Like we talk about Andy Kolb and Benoit Collange being two of the riders who um, racing, their racing went up dramatically because of COVID. And you're like the other way around, as you just said. Like I remember seeing you finish that 2019 season. Was that the first year they were going to do the permanently protected the following year? Or the second year of doing it, maybe. So yeah, I missed yeah, it. Like, yeah, I remember you being tenth, and then I remember like thinking, was that the first year you signed for Scott, or was that going to be? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you then you were over, weren't you? You were in loser for the World Cup. You'd flown across, and then for your Fox testing. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, we're seeing you go back. And I was like, fuck, he must be fuming because he had such a good season last year, and then you didn't come across, and as you just described, so it's almost like. As you say, you were the other way around to Benoit and Andy where you've gone, actually, there's more to life. Yeah, because so. that, was, that was, it's funny now, people kept coming up to me with this retirement and they were like, oh, I'm like, that's so sad, you're retiring. And they were kind of thought I'd be bummed. But I went through that that year, that 2020 year, because I went to loser, got sent home. Obviously, the COVID thing kind of forced everyone into retirement. I definitely did a lot of like, who's Dean, like the World Cup race, is that all like, like it just like those questions went around like a retirement and I feel like I came out the other side being okay with it. Yeah. And that was a really good thing. But also if you want to be a World Cup racer and you're kind of okay with it not being one, it's a <laughs> bad thing. Yeah. I like the double-edged sword there and that's, I just, yeah, like I said, I never got back to where I wanted to be after that. And, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit annoyed that I feel like that, I had the momentum going into that 2020 season. I was, Ooh. I felt like I was building throughout the season. I was getting consistent. I, I remember I, my goal, my goal from when I started racing World Cups was get consistent top tens and be top 10 in the overall. And I did that at Snowshoe in 2019 back. Like I got a seven to the 10th and then 10th in the overall. And I was just like, the goals are happening. I'm, the team's good. The bike's good. It was all working. And then 
obviously kind of went down the wind, went down the drain with COVID, but it's what it is. And like I said, I'm still happy with how it's all turned out now. So take the positive out of it. Sure. Okay. So greatest achievement. Greatest achievement. Oh, I don't know. I'd like, I think the whole, everyone would just say like a, a race result, but I just don't really think that's my greatest achievement. I feel like, I don't know, just trying to be like, like just being authentically me and just trying to do that. And I guess somewhat a sport that tries to kind of make you go in a bit of a box. I feel like people try and put you in a box when you're an athlete, especially in downhill. It's very, you do this, this is what you are, this is who you are. And obviously I don't don't really fall into that all the time and sometimes it gets hard you do get some judgment you do get some kickback and I remember it was funny when I was just doing the stupid hair and stuff I remember um a downhill racer came up to me that I actually looked up to and he's just like oh I wish I like had the confidence and stuff to do what you're doing I'm like what like stupid haircuts and like it seemed to me like (laughs) I kind of see where he's coming from because you do cop a bit of shit and there's people bantering online and you get the comments, I'll be focused more on his race and less on his head, like shit like that. Like the, there is people kind of come after you, like keyboard warriors. So there is a bit of like, you got to have a bit of thick skin, but I guess just being authentically me and just not kind of letting it sink in. I like, I feel like that's a pretty good achievement. Like, yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. So um, biggest regret. Oh, you seem like the kind of guy that there might not be one. <laughs> everything for a reason yeah just like there's silver lining in everything and i heard this thing the other day it's just like um it's like make mistakes and don't carry regret like they're just they're heavier than like mistakes to find if you learn from them and like all this thing about regret but it would have been um i always wonder what it would have been like if i did at least scott and stayed with intense when it was just going to be me jack and they were going to put a a um a british junior on i think and just just to see what would have happened because it was actually funny when um, I can talk about all this now. This is good. So this is like magical, <laughs> like a chair. Okay. So like Martin Wiley managed me at the time and he wanted me to go on to y- YT, but only if Aaron was leaving. Now this is Lens the High 2018. So Martin Wiley wanted me to go on YT. I was talking to Scott and I was still on intense. And I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I was like, I think YT might be the one um, I go to here because I'd like Martin managed me. I knew he ran a really solid program. Let's try that. Anyway, Lenza Hyde happens, the world champion in 2018. He comes up to me and tells me, oh, Aaron's staying, so go to Scott. So ended up going to Scott, signed the deal. Turns out that I left Intense then, so then that opened it up. So then Aaron ended up going, okay, well, now I'm going to go to Intense. So <laughs> I was like, these little chairs of switching up, and then he ended up going to Intense, and it all kind of got muddled up. But it was just, it was funny, the the series of events that kind of got it all all there. But if so, if you told me like seven years ago, six years ago, I don't know, that I would have something to do in, pl- in playing all in what team Aaron Wynn rode for, like I'd be like, what the how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, stayed up late watching Red Bull TV, and he's just smoking everyone every single world. <laughs> Some little grom, and now somehow I put my name into that conversation. I was like, that's 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 really good. I, I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's like, very cool. Hundred percent, man. Definitely. Um, favorite memory? Well, like a work. I think yeah, the 
when um, I qualified first at uh, Croatia, oh, I qualified second actually, Brooke qualified first. Yeah. But I remember the year 2017, um, I didn't have a terrible year. Like, I, got, I got a second because of the weather where I win one, but I had some like top 20s, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't up to where I, sh- like, I really should have been. And I remember at the end of the year, I asked Intense, I was like, oh, I got a ride in 2018. And they were like, oh, we, did, we actually don't know. We need to work, th- work some things out. And then I had this two-week break after the season where no one was calling me. No teams were offering me anything. Intense wasn't calling me. And I was like, shit, have I just lost my World Cup career? Like I was really, really unsure about the direction I was going to go. And eventually they called me and they said, yes, we want to have you on for 2018. I think they actually offered it to um, Loris and I think Loris turned it down. And I found that out afterwards that I was like, oh, shit, like, thanks for not taking it, Loris. But it was like, that's how close it was for going tits up. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so in those two weeks, I was like, okay, if we do get a ride, like we need to grind, we need to get after it. And then that started that 2018 year. I just went really hard in training and got really focused and obviously rocked up to Croatia. And I think I was like fourth in time training and then qualified second. And then because they did this stupid switch around at about nine o'clock that night before the race, they changed the start order. So first off, they put me 14th down and broke like 18th or something. And then they changed it again. When oh, they changed it, they put me down last. So I'm in bed and I just get this message, oh, you're the last man down the hill now. I'm like 9.30 at night. I was like, this is not the shit I want to be seeing, right? <laughs> I see this. I start freaking out because I'm like, oh, my God, this is like childhood dream kind of come true. But I just remember so clearly being in that start gate at the top of the hill and I just thought back to that two weeks when no one in the industry was calling me Intense wasn't calling me at the time. I had no idea what my career was going to look like. And I was like, once I got that phone call, I'm like, all right, we need to do grind and do what we need to do. And then to fast forward and be at the top of that hill and be the last man down the hill and just be like, we turned this shit around. We went from nowhere to somewhere. And it was all through like that hard work and focusing in and doing all this stuff. So I just remember that moment at the top of the hill, just being like, okay, if you want to change something, it's up to you to change it and you can change it. And you can get back there, but I just, yeah, that was just a really refreshing and just nice moment to be like, no, we, we still got it and it's, it can be done. So that was, that's going to be, that's going to be very much up there. Cool. Nice. Uh, next one then, your best race run. Oh, World Champs Monsanto um, in 2019 and I crashed. <laughs> but the top of my run, I, I'm, 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 you know when you get in the flow state and you're racing, it's the most I've mm. ever been in the flow state, but it only lasts for about a minute 30 and then I got out of it. <laughs> and I, met, yeah. I went through all the top corners and stuff and it was like I was on autopilot. Like I wasn't – just everything I was meant to do was happening and I just remember being in such a flow. And then when you don't go back into the woods, I remember thinking, I'm like, fuck, you're in the flow state. I thought about it and then as soon mm-hmm. as I thought – it took me out of it, but I just remember that feeling through the top. And then I looked at the um, the results afterwards, and I was the the I had the top fastest split, and I was like, oh fuck, it makes kind of it makes sense. But yeah. just to have that feeling, I felt. I remember I talked to Loic at um, at Snowshoe the weekend after when he wrapped up the title, and 
I remember talking to him and it was like he got in that flow state as well. Obviously, he won. I crashed and got like almost dead last, but we both felt the same thing. And I thought that was such a cool thing to realize that, okay, you can win or you can come last and that you can still feel that same kind of fit in your body. And I think, I think getting in that flow state is worth way more than a medal or, and that normally comes with them. If you can get in that, you can normally get the medal. But I felt like that was one of the, the coolest personal feelings I've had racing a mountain bike and to do it like a world stage in front of everyone and know that you can get into that state. Because I've, I've probably only got properly into the flow state maybe five or six times in my entire career, like really just zoned in, time gets warped, you kind of forget what you've done, you're just in autopilot almost. And that was one of the things I loved about racing was to try and find find that state. It's hard. Yeah. I had to get yeah. to the, How many times actually, do you reckon I've been to that? Um, actually, the, the one – I. It's it's too bad you didn't get to experience your last race run because my last race run, I don't know about you, Jack, but my last race run in Snowshoe was like probably the craziest experience of flow state I had. It was a different flow state of, I wasn't necessarily going that fast, but it was like almost an out-of-body experience, having people cheer me on, knowing it was my last run. So that was like very, very special. And like you said, like that was probably one of my favorite memories not because I was going so fast so I was the perfect run just because of what I felt doing it mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was pretty special you realize that's so much more important than yeah. like a wreck or else it's like that feeling that you create through doing, mm-hmm. doing and especially I said that to Mikana because he also had his last well he didn't really retire retire but back then he thought he was retired for walker bracing downhill and I told him, I was like, you'll see, like, it's, it's, it's something else. And I described it to him a little bit. And when he, after that, he came to me and was like, oh my God, it was exactly, you say it will be like so crazy and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so yeah, it was pretty, pretty fun to, to see that. But for that, you need to kind of know it's your last. And Jack, when you like qualify, you don't know if you're going to qualify in semi or not semi. So I guess it's a little bit different. Yeah, I was just about to say exactly that. Like snowshoe yeah. was kind of like that because I didn't feel like I had the speed to go through to finals. So in the semi, I'd like I really wanted to do my best, but I didn't. I I kind of thought it was going to be the last run of the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I then exceeded my expectations, had a way better run than I thought, and it was like a little bit like that. And I was I remember just being so happy when I crossed the line. But the problem in Montserrat was it rained for semis and I was second out the gate. So we'd had dry practice, the rain, and I did kind of want to push to go through to finals up until the point of leaving the gate. Um, so it was all like proper mixed emotions. And as soon mm. as I left the gate and hit the first, literally the first puddle and slippery section, I was just like, nope, like I did not yeah. call this way to injure myself. So it turned into a victory lap. I literally just rolled down and just enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely one of the flow state moment, but but yeah, um, I agree with you, Dean. Like, in there, five probably five ten would be a max, probably between around five, six, seven times in my career, just where you get to the bottom and you're like, "What just happened?" People ask you how your run was, and you're like, "I don't know." We give a minute, like can't remember, and they're always yeah. the best run. Yeah, 
You know what the best thing about retirement I find is I'm never going to be scared when it starts raining ever again. Like it can <laughs> rain as much as it wants, whenever it wants, and I'm just going to smile and it's all good. But being at the top of like Mont Saint-Anne, Val de Sol, Leo Gang, and you haven't raced on a dry track. I mean, you haven't raced on a wet track and it starts pissing rain and you're just like, what are we going to do right now? Like I'm, I'm happy to take that anxiety out of my body. That doesn't need to be here anymore. <laughs> For sure. Or the breakfast in the morning. Well, I don't know if you guys, how early you had to, to get up, but for us girls, we're definitely up at six and try to eat your breakfast is, is not a great feeling. And now get access, access as well with the juniors, but I have no nerves. I can eat my breakfast in peace. So that's also pretty good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind, that's the thing you can't put a value on. Okay, next one then. Best run you've ever seen from another rider? Well, probably oh, the first one that came to mind was Amory Pirion uh, Leger 2019. Mm-hmm. First ones. Um, Aaron Gwynn at Wyndham in like 2015. Yeah, that was mine. Mm. Yeah, that was up there. I just remember, I remember Loic out of the start gate at Leger and I remember watching it live and I seen how he pedaled out of the start gate and I was like, he wants this more than anyone. Like just how he pedaled out of the gate. I was like, dude, you're not beating that guy. Like he just, he was in that zone and he just, you just, you get to see it. You get to see it. Like obviously Lloyd's a bit more calculated maybe and not as like, like sledgehammer approach to it. But like when Armory just, you just, he, you can see the want. And I remember how he pedaled out of the start gate and I was like, dude, I, like fair play, like that's that's out there. Yeah. So in the last episode when we did yours, Jack, I said that my favourite was um, Gwyn in Mont Saint Anne in the rain. Yeah. Was that the one when you got second? Dean? That's when he beat me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring that up, but actually, I was thinking about it afterwards, and I don't think it is. I think it's Danny Hart in Champery. Oh yeah, oh, same for me. Same for me. Yeah. yeah that I think that's changed the whole kind of direction of the sport almost. Like if you look back, one of the brightest moments, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I raced that race, and I it wasn't raining all week, and then for finals it started raining in the morning, so we had to train in the rain in the morning, and obviously even with spikes, the track is gnarly in the rain, well. and. And then it stopped raining for us girls, so it was really sticky and annoying, and it was really hard to ride. So everyone crashed almost like three times. And then for the boys, it started raining again, so it got a little bit better for the guys to ride like in the in the rain rut. And that exactly what Danny did, he rolled the rain rut like a maniac the whole way down. And I was in the finish area, and I remember clearly looking at it, and everyone it was pouring rain. Everyone was like going crazy because of that run, because we were like what the fuck is going on and when he yeah, whips so the probably, final jump that's just like yeah i was just like was crazy how old was he like 19 or 20 then it was pretty young wasn't he? he was first year elite i think wasn't he yeah so come out and do it then as well yeah but that's you know, maybe you know, no yeah. pressure you know no pressure to do it he's just <laughs> a kid just we were on one that year i remember he raised velvasol and he got second to Gwyn, but I remember he went off to Sam Hill jump at the bottom and he drifts and he hits a bank and it almost like shoots in back wheel over to the other corner. Like he was just doing these mad runs. Like he just had no care for safety back then. (laughs) 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 
Can, yeah. I, can I put another one in the in the pot? Um, Reese Wilson, Leger, 2021. He's <laughs> Scotsman. Yeah. I just love the fact he didn't give up. He was like, like that mentality. I love that mentality when you see a racer and they don't have to win, but they just don't give up. And it's I think full that's- Full commitment. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is now rain. And he's like, I can still win this. And that to me, and obviously he was still like the, he was the fastest guy in the wet by far. And just to see that is just so impressive to just like, that's such a, like you saw the other guys, some of them just pretty much rolled down. And then him to go, no, it's not over. I think is um, like even if it doesn't work out, just to try and do that is is super impressive. Nice. So next one, I probably know the answer to that question, but biggest crash in your career? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say obviously that that's the obvious spinal cord one, but I think one that was um, almost scary was in mm-hmm. twenty eighteen um, Fort William of all places when my tire blew off the wheel in that last corner before the hip and got KO'd and was out for I remember that. Yeah. So that's after I got the third at Croatia and I was real confident coming in and then, yeah, tire blew off and got knocked out and it kind of wrecked my whole season after that. So that one was – it was just scary because, like, if you make a mistake, like I made a mistake at Snowshoe, I I accept that. I fucked it up, but – uh, Fort William that year, I didn't do anything. I was just rode into a corner and woke up two minutes later, not knowing who or what I was. So that was um, that was a very scary experience. I think that was a big crash. I obviously was out unconscious, so I don't know what happened. But the way people came up to me in the pits because they obviously saw me sprawled out, yeah. there was some concerned people coming up to talk to me to be like asking if I'm okay. And you can see in their face that I was like, okay, this wasn't a pretty looking crash. So. That was a big one. I just wasn't present for any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, next one, worst injury. I guess it's also coming with the the biggest crash. Yeah, spinal cord for sure. Just, yeah, mentally and emotionally and physically just, yeah, hardest thing to overcome. Like I, would, I think the biggest thing that with a spinal cord injury is you just don't know what you're going to, it's like a lucky dip each day. You're like, am I going to get feeling back? Am I going to get this back? And some days you don't, and some days you get a little bit and mm-hmm. some days you don't get anything. And then it even go kind of get worse on days. So it's just trying to have a positive mindset when you can't feel everything. And like, I didn't have temperature in my body for about three weeks. So I couldn't feel heat. I was just, I was either freezing cold or numb. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd feel like I was paralyzed at first because just all my joints and everything weren't, the nerves weren't firing. So I'd feel like I was paralyzed again. I'd be freezing cold. And then I would go have a hot shower. I couldn't feel the hot shower. Just skin was like almost like pins and needles, but like stinging almost with the with the hot water, but I couldn't feel it like it was hot. So yeah. I'd start and then hop into bed and just get cold again. And that went on for three weeks and, I think because my nervous system was trying to deal with the heat, I was just tired all the time. So I just sleep most of the day. And yeah, that was, um, that was very draining. But yeah, feeling like better now, getting energy back, kind of feeling like myself again. So yeah, it's good. That's good. Okay. So biggest feature, as in what line or feature psyched you out the most? Oh, the gaff in Andorra last year. <laughs> the stump gap. Stumped out. And I was, I like track walk. I'm like, yep, I'm going to grease that. No problem. First practice run, pull up just to have a look. Two juniors, I think, pull it. One of them just 
cartwheels like right in front of me. And I was like, oh shit, this is actually quite gnarly. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just roll down. I'll do it next lap. So I rolled down, next lap, come in. I think someone was stopped, like Heathfield was stopping to look at it. So I just stopped again. Saw another person cartwheel and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't the one. Cause I saw that like, <laughs> hitting it and getting, um, getting kicked. And that was almost a point in the, the mindset with like retirement. Cause I was like, normally it didn't matter. I would just, I'd, it's faster. I'll pull it. And that was a time where I didn't do it. And, and it was, um, yeah, it was just kind of, I started thinking, it's like, oh, the old Dean would have done that. And I was like, I don't, I just don't want to do that anymore kind of thing. Cause yeah. it was just sketchy. Too and wrong. there was one that, uh, Val where the big step down near the bottom is. It didn't used to be a proper step down. Yeah. And you yeah. had like a natural gap over a stump. That was. Oops, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember no one was like, no one's doing it. And then Brooke did it. And they were like, Fuck, now we got to do it. And then you just progressively everyone did it. I remember that finals morning when everyone was parked up there watching because, as you say, a couple of people had done it in semis. It may be Brooke and Minara or something. So then next morning, everyone was there and it was just like a chain of like oh well if you've done it i'm now gonna do it oh you yeah, yeah. i'm gonna do it and before you knew it all 60 riders were just fucking sending this thing it's wild yeah. it really needs to be set up so if there's a big gap we all vote that we don't have to do it so <laughs> <laughs> even like a Bell, that gap that jackson and a few other guys was doing i was like you Over can have oh my god yeah it was just- that like, video of jackson doing it well is absolutely Reasing it, and I'm like, that you can have that, man. That's that's not for me. No, no, fuck no. Right. Well, I thought when I walked the track, I didn't even think that. Like, wasn't even like, oh, maybe it was like, I didn't even come up on the radar. Yeah, unbelievable. It, it's these days, man, they're millennials. Yeah, <laughs> I'm up it. I'm gonna have, have a beer and watch. <laughs> yeah, just sit back, enjoy it. Yeah, Got our time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, favorite bike. Oh. I'm going to just say for um, nostalgic reasons, and I feel like I don't, I almost don't want to say different brand while I'm still on, like on Scott. I feel like oh, that's a bad Oh, Christmas. Say whatever you fucking want. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just going off. I love Scott bikes. They're the best things. The best things. <laughs> um, no, but when I was on um, Da Vinci in 2015, we had this Wilson, and it was 27.5, first 27.5 bike I went on. And I think, you know, when you jump up a wheel size, you're like, oh my God, this thing works so much better. So we had that and had a really good season. I think I got 12th in the overall, got my first podium and um, lens of lives. So it was just like a lot of good memories attached to it. But one of the coolest things about it, after that season, I just had it sitting in the shed and then I had a mate that's like, oh, I want to do a downhill race. I'm like, oh, I've got a spare bike. And he ended up racing it. And I think he got like second and expert or something on it, which was kind of cool. And then this young kid that um, I've been helping out, Will Pope, he wanted to get into racing down. He, these parents didn't want to buy him a downhill bike. So I was like, oh, I just borrowed the Wilson. So he started racing the Wilson and started doing pretty well. And I think that encouraged his parents to come get a bit more into downhill. And then eventually they were like, oh, this is cool sport. People are cool. So then they brought him a bike and now he's, probably, he's going to come over and race World Cups next year. So it's like kind of gave him the start to get into it. And then I gave it to another mate and he was doing backflips on it. And then I've got it to another mate. Like, it's just like, it's just gone through so many people and it's had such a cool, like got me my first podium. I got this kid a start in racing World Cups. I got my mate, like it, it's just, it's just so cool how it's just progressed on. And it's just kind of, yeah, I still got, well, my, it's actually my mate's house um, down in Victoria. 
Um, cause he's just been riding it just because right. he does down a bike. And I, I said to him, like, I'll get it, like, I'll get it back one day when I want to hang it on the wall. But for now, it can just keep doing the rounds and keep sharing the love. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. Okay. Favorite thing about racing? I think the place it can take your mind. And like we say in that flow state before, and it can push you past what you think is actually possible and it can just focus you in and, there's not many other things in life that compare to that pure focus on achieving something. And I'm, that's one of those things I think I'm like, I'm probably going to miss the most is being on that crowd and being, having those nerves and throwing it all out there on the table and it kind of working out. It's a pretty cool feeling. So I reckon I'm going to, that's probably one of the biggest things I'll miss, but I reckon that was one of the coolest things. Just. Just knowing that it's like, this is all on me now. Like, especially when I said I went last at that World Cup, I'm like, everyone I've ever looked up to in the sport is about to watch me try and do my best. And then if you do nail it, you're like, okay, that was good. And that's the, that's the like the double-edged sword with individual sports is if you don't nail it, it's all on you. But if you do nail it, it's also all on you as well. So it creates a lot of pressure. But I think if you can train your mind and body to, to deal with that, then it can end up being pretty cool. Nice least favorite thing about racing the isolation i felt that was a big reason as well why i wanted to stop was it's so isolating to race be from australia and race like that was one thing why i gravitate towards the podcasting because it's like you connect with people it's like the polar opposite to to racing it's and it's isolating in the fact that i like i haven't really been able to maintain a proper relationship for the last 10 years because it's like all right this is really good this is going well i'll see you in three months or you'll come over and then that's an element that you have to balance at a world cup when you've got your girlfriend there as well which can be good and bad ending on it so just those factors alone i like it was one of the things like now with what i'm setting up and what i'm doing i'm constantly meeting new people and connecting with new people and being able to see my family more and having a relationship with them. And as much, as good as racing is, it's just like, I'm, you miss a lot of life. Like you miss a lot of your family, you miss a lot of your friends, your girlfriend, just people in general. And I was just kind of, that was another factor. Like I was ready to, like, I'd go out for training rides and be out in the forest for three hours by myself. And it's just like, I just want to hang out with some people. Like I don't have people to ride with yet that are professional athletes. So, and that's kind of been the story for the last, Oh, this, this pretty big chunk of here towards the end now like i got into mountain biking because i wanted to go riding with my mates and i was always the youngest one chasing faster guys and then obviously life gets in the way and people get kids people get jobs they go out and do that and i kept mountain biking and it's like i'm where do all my buddies go where do all my friends go and that was definitely a, a rude awakening when you realize that something that you did as a passion with your buddy suddenly becomes a job by yourself Love. Wait until you get a family and kids, Dean, and then you just crave isolation. I go yeah. out looking for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because my brother actually does say that. Like he, he's got a wife now, but yeah, I, I need connection with people. Like I love people. I love conversing and chatting. And yeah, <laughs> I do like my alone as well. But yeah, I definitely too much of it isn't good either. You're going to go around a little loop. Yeah. And then we're going to speak to you in about four years and you're going to be coming out of the side going, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a team actor. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> to the world again because my kids are fucking annoying. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, Dean, favorite curse word? Oh, curveball. Um, 
Mine was already answered before I even got asked. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Maybe fuckwit. Nice. That's a good one. <laughs> Is nice. there a classic like Aussie curse word that that like we wouldn't potentially not use over here? Is the one that you guys use? The C word would probably be out there. Oh really? Yeah. That's oh yeah. I don't want to say it on the podcast, but yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah. There, there is a level. We have a warning, but there is a level. Yeah, I, I, I even George can beep it out. Yeah, no one's ever dropped the C bomb on the building, show. Yeah, building, I've dropped. I only mean the first person. So yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, next one. I think you already kind of um, addressed it. Thing you'll miss the most. You talk about the that flow state and the mind that um, the place that. Um, yeah, I'll add, I'll add to it just like the people, the fans, yeah. the other riders. The, like it's not often that you can, as much as when a race is happening, I guess we're all kind of in our own little bubble. Like everyone's mates, like everyone's friends. Yeah, All downhill mountain bikers seem to just idolize motocross riders, but I wouldn't change what we have for what they've got. They're all kind of rivals and they don't. there's no camaraderie and, and they – just seems a bit weird. You're in your own little clique and you, you do your own thing. And like, I'm, I'm mates with everyone in the World Cup, which I think is pretty cool. And we're not trying to take each other out. We're trying to share lines and go faster. And I think that's something that I'll definitely miss. Just, I me- I remember it, um, it was actually funny. I crashed at Snowshoe in 2022 as well. And I wasn't going to race. I, um, I was like in a pretty bad way. And I remember I was like, I'll take a heap of painkillers and try and ride. And I remember doing my first run and there was so many people, like other riders cheering me on because they knew what had happened. And they were just like, hey, Dean. And like, I remember getting to the bottom and I was like, man, I'm so pumped up just because of all the support from the other races. And I was like, that's just like, yeah, that, like that lifted me. I like, I, I really needed it at that time. And just your buddies just giving you egg and yarn was, it was amazing. So cool. yeah, I'm going to miss all that for sure. Um, thing you won't miss? Fort Williams. You do the Fort Williams. I think just like, like I said before, like the anxiety you get at the top of the hill when it starts raining. Like I remember being in Valvasol, it's been dry all week and then it starts pissing down just before qualifying. And I'm just like, like that feeling of like, I'm like, I'm going to roll the dice with my life now and just, I don't know what it's going to come up. I'm just, I'm happy to not have that feeling in my body of being that unsure about what's going to happen in this next situation. I just don't, I don't want to do it. I'm not a wet rider. I've never been, it's not my thing. I'm dry all the way. And I just remember a few times in my career where it started raining at the wrong time. And you're just like, you're not protected. There's been a few guys go down in the dry. <laughs> like, oh, it's all water. <laughs> For sure. Um, last one, the future. What's the future look like for me? Yeah. Um, hopefully bright. Hopefully really bright. But at the moment, I just, I'm actually in my warehouse now. I'm just leasing a warehouse up in Queensland and I'm turning into like a creative space. So for, for like videography, photography, I'll, um, I have a heap of art here as well that I'll be, um, selling and displaying. And that's, that's kind of a bit of a side hustle. My main focus is the podcast. Like I want to, get my podcast more off the ground I would and that's kind of just set up here I'm currently building the studio as we speak but it's going to add a few more things onto it so it's kind of an organic way to like meet people and have brands come in and 
and whatnot. So we're just building that at the moment, getting it all finished off. But yeah, the big focus is the podcast. I'd like to come back over to World Cups at some point and uh, obviously kind of do what I was doing with Eddie this year, but not just with Eddie, stuff on my own and stuff with him and kind of, yeah, just kind of, I feel like obviously us being racers, we've got a pretty good idea of how to talk to other races and when to kind of go and what to ask. And I feel like it gives a very relatable and you just feel comfortable. Like it's not, it's very, it's very rare that someone could come in from a production company and go up to anyone and just, and know what they're feeling and know what questions to ask or what not to ask. So I think we have a really, um, what do you say? Like we're very lucky to be in that situation. So I don't want to like squander it. I want to kind of use it in a certain way. So. I would like to come back. I'm not sure if it'll be next season or maybe the season after. I haven't looked that far ahead, but I'm going down the hard line in Tasmania to kind of do a bit of what I would do at a World Cup. So if it gets a good response and it's fun and catch up with everyone and um, maybe still wake up a little bit and get some stuff happening, <laughs> um, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, trying to kind of bring that over to, yeah, just um, the World Cups and see how it all goes here first, I think. But yeah, just trying to even just connecting with um, connecting with my family more, and like I said before, uh, it's with the isolation and with the the job, we miss a lot of things. Like um, my my brother's got a little girl, and for the first half of her life, I just had I just didn't see her that often. I was traveling a lot, and then you're training, and then you don't live in the same spot anymore, and it just becomes hard. So try and have more time with the things that actually do really matter. I think has been really cool, and just kind of not feel like you're doing the wrong thing i'd always no matter what if i was in race mode or pre-season no matter what you do you've kind of got this thing in the back of your head should be training should be doing this should be doing and it controls your life like it definitely is a hard thing to snap out of and snap back into so kind of since i retired it's just been there's new goals there's new worries it's not like it hasn't gone but it's shifted to a, a new thing and i think that's been really really exciting and really cool I really relate to what you're saying, you know, like that pressure in the back of your head. When I go riding now, it's such a different feeling of when I was going riding before. Because if I don't want to hit a feature or if I don't want to do that crazy line, I don't have to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And before I was just like, fuck, you haven't done this and that. Like, what the heck? Like, is it going to matter for your racing? So I enjoy riding way more now, actually, than I was yeah. when I was when I was actually racing. So yeah, I'm, so, I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. I'm excited because people keep asking me, oh, are you going to ride again and you know, all this? And I'm like, I'm sure one day I'll ride again. But right now, yeah. like, I don't, I honestly don't have any want to hop on a bike. I, mm. I'm, people keep asking me like, when are you going to do it? I'm like, I don't know, but I know it will come. Like eventually I'm going to go, okay, let's go for a bike ride. I'm sure I'll have fun with it. I, I want to... I want to enjoy it again. Like I hated that I didn't enjoy it like I used to. Like mm. it's something and we all have obviously have such a passion and love for. I remember I'd hop on my bike and it was just the best thing ever. And then to hop on your bike and feel like you'd rather be anywhere else, like that sucks. So I want to hop on my bike and go, this is really fun and I'm enjoying it. I don't have to push myself. I just have to go ride with my buddies and have a smile on my face and it's all good. Cool. Well, Congratulations from us all, from all of us on a great career. It's been great watching you grow from like a, a little Aussie kid who rides bikes into a role that kind of transcends biking, really. And I, I look forward to seeing what you get up to over the coming months. Uh, thanks for 
been talking so candidly today and, and best luck for the future. Uh, not a worry at all. It's awesome. It's always good having a chat with you guys. Cool. What are you doing for Christmas? Just hanging out up in Queensland. My family's back yeah. in Vic. I saw them last week, so I got it all out of the way before the Christmas rush. So I was up in Queensland trying to build this studio. I'm going to be grinding away at the moment, trying to set up photo walls and insulated studios and whatnot. So that's the main focus. And then just hang out with some friends and yeah, just kind of chill. Cool. Well, have a good one. We'll be back with Loic after these messages. My name is Amory Pion and I asked Ralby to develop the best Donald tire ever. Amory asked us for something that offers a notch over Magic Mary. We are all looking for something new, I guess. We needed something for more precision. So from that, we just worked all together to, to make it happen. Being fair, actually, the team started the development. Maxime, he started to cut down a big betty and try to get it into shape to make it work. The grip is just perfect. The Taki Chan just gives you the best precision you, you need. It just gives you a lot of braking traction, safety and corner hold. It's like riding on rails. So if you're an active rider, it's super rewarding. If you're a passive rider, it's still a fantastic time. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. Choose single track, choose print, choose digital, choose an independent mountain bike magazine, choose mountain bike culture, choose adventure and mishap, choose great stories and glorious photography, choose ad-free access to our website, choose time out with a mug of tea, choose an annual subscription, choose a monthly subscription, choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products, choose bobble hats, choose hip flasks, choose gift subscriptions for your friends, choose single track salvation for your arse, choose a username, choose a community, Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. At the start of every season, the 100 or so best male downhill racers on planet Earth line up to try and either become world champion or to capture the World Cup overall title. And at the end of the season, Loic Bruni wins one of them. That's the way it's been pretty solidly since 2015, with five world championships and three World Cup overalls under his belt in just nine years. A huge welcome back to the show for Super Bruni. How are you doing, Loic? Really good, thank you. Um, nice introduction. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Sounds cool. Thank you. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? You usually win. Uh, yeah, not always, but it's been good lately, so enjoying as long as it lasts, you know. Yeah. So where in the world are you right now? I'm in my hometown. Uh, for the the holidays, having some time with the family, it feels really nice. I like it. Yeah, and uh, under a week to go, are you all set for Christmas? No, I'm so bad. This year I was like, okay, I'm getting old. I need to organize way before, so I have all the presents ready. And we're like, what, three, no, four days from it, five days? And I'm still missing a lot of Christmas presents, but uh, I'll be fine. I'll be on cool. time. Yeah, throw some money at it. Exactly. But the good thing is, like, I don't have to prepare mid any meals or anything. Like, my, my family is taking good care of that. So I'm still having a lot of time for it, you know? Cool. So you were last on the show in May 2022, which is a great place to kick things off, if you can remember back that far. Because a few days after we recorded that show, 
you had a big crash in practice on the top section at Fort William, yeah. resulting in, in a broken collarbone, which meant you missed Leah Gang as well. Amory, he'd won Lords. He then went on to win Fort William and got fourth in Leah Gang. Did you know at that stage that the overall for 2022 was probably out of reach? Yeah, for sure. To be fair, when you have a, an injury like that, it's not a big one, but when you start missing rounds, there's no chance of doing anything to catch up, especially on someone like Amori who was having a hell of a season, like being consistently in the top spots, grabbing so many points every round, it was, it was done. And when I came back in Linda Heide, I just, uh, I think I skipped some practice. I skipped qualifying and I still raced in finals and I was so far back. So I was like, okay, we're going to focus on other things now and uh, leave the overalls for the other dogs. Like Loris, Finn also were in the fight. So it was not for me at that point. Yeah, I mean, world championships in Leger must have been fairly high on your list of priorities at the start of the season. Yeah. So after that happened mid-season, did you start focusing on that even more? Yeah, for sure. Leger was a massive goal for me, like since it's been announced, you know, I don't know, like maybe a year and a half prior to that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's just a collarbone. We're in end of May. I'll be able to f- to heal way on time for Leger World Championships. So came back to Andorra with a better feeling, better fitness, better preparation, Rode pretty well. I think I was second behind Loris, which was uh, which was cool on that new track. And I we went to Snowshoe and Mont Saint Anne, where it was like what a month, not even before Leger, and that's where it all went sideways again. So I really, really did everything I could to miss Leger, but in the end, I could show up and um, and and race because Mont Saint Anne, I dislocated my shoulder like two weeks before, so it wasn't so. Optimum. Yeah, definitely not optimum preparation. When you do refocus mid-season like that, um, you know, looking at the world championships, like what does that look like? Are you readjusting like your physical preparation? Are, are you just not pushing harder at certain races or, or is it something else? Yeah, it's all about focus, I would say. Like in everything that you do, you will uh, point it out towards that one race instead of having a more general approach for the season. And I think at that point, I should have stopped racing World Cups because I was not really caring anymore. Yeah, I was not really being present or hungry for the World Cups. Even if I wanted to win rounds, I was not really, I don't know, feeling good or anything. So I rushed a little bit my comeback for the collarbone, did a good race in Nondora and then like didn't feel so good in snowshoe on the wet. It was just... Like it was horrible. I don't know if you remember. It was so. Well, I'll never forget, man. And then my confidence wasn't at the top, but I still like pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Went to Monsantan where it was also wet, and then ended up like having a stupid crash. And all my focus that I really I was having on Leger for the World Championships, like all fell apart, and I was like delusional. Like I was like, oh my god, all of that, like it's all like for nothing because I'm gonna be not ready, it's impossible that I'll be ready for, for Leger. And actually, like, everything in my life was towards Leger at that time, and I just believed it, could, it was still possible. So I tried to, I went to Red Bull APC for two, like, not even two weeks, because it was just a week pretty much after we came back from the trip. And then it felt all right, it felt stable, it's still painful, but stable, so I just gave it a shot and 
it worked. Yeah, there we go. When Benoit was on the podcast earlier this season, he said, and we're paraphrasing here, I've only got so many chances to win a World Cup. Omri will be back soon. When we look at the recent period of racing, do you see Omri as being like your major rival for the last few years? Or is there someone else? I think we have a cool rivalry with Amori because he's uh, he's been racing quick, like from when he was maybe like when 22, 23, 2018. Yeah. And since 2018, he's been winning a lot of World Cups and races. So in a small amount of time, he's been really impressive. And I was also like at the top when he arrived, let's say, and he kind of took over and was the man to beat for for a little while and then that season in 2019 where we were going back to back uh the both of us like fighting so hard until the last guy until Danny Hart crossed the line in snowshoe was a uh, pretty pretty epic you still pay Danny a retainer now or is that finished yeah every year I, have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to do it for 23 it's almost the end of the year uh, nah, it's been a really good rivalry and that like 2019 was a big part of it. And I think when I've been injured, he's missed me and vice versa. When he's been injured, for, ex- for example, all year, all year I've been missing him so much, even though there's plenty of other competitors that are as good or, you know, like super good. Yeah. He's a special one because there's a super cool hate and love relationship between yeah. us. And um, he's one of my main rivals and I... Really enjoy racing him. So for me, what separates you from all the other riders is timing. There's incredible bike riders on the circuit who, who I'm not going to name them, but who can all win World Cups, but they never seem to be able to peak at just the right time. Then there's Amory, who doesn't seem to have any peaks. He just attacks every race with the same level of focus and he wins until he crashes, basically. You seem to be able to manage situations and peak at just the right time again and again. Tell us a bit about how you do that. Well, it comes a lot with uh, planning the season, planning the goals with the people around you, like in your team and for training and stuff. So every year we focus a lot on the overall because it's also like it's for me, like the hardest thing to achieve in the season is to win the overall. So we try to prepare for the most, like the, for the most possible, like, like every track is different, right? So we try yeah. to prepare for all of that, try to kind of like imagine all the scenarios in our head with the weather, with the changes they can make and things like this. And we kind of start the season as ready as we can and adapt from there. But for sure, my trainer knows in advance what races are more important to me. So, for example, the the rounds in France or the World Championships would be something that he's gonna try to prepare. So he's gonna kind of he's gonna make me recover or prepare more specifically for that race. But uh, for me, it's all the races I've done well. It's always because so I've not done well many times because World Cup wise, I haven't won so many in my career. If yeah. you think about it, I've been consistent, but not like winning, winning. And World Championships, like five in it. So it's good, but it's not like insane. Like if you count uh, on the amount of runs, it's only five runs over what, 10 years. 
when I have had the heart and uh, inside of me the fire, I feel like nothing can really happen or stop me. And it's something that I I try to work on and develop and control because it's uh, it's sometimes something that comes with uh, your own preparation and stuff. But if I have the fire and I feel ready, I'm I'm really good. I feel like, for example, Leger 22, I had my heart, everything wanted to do it for the fans, for the day, for the history. Like everything was just uh, clicking, aligning on that day. Like the weather was good. The crowd was big. My bike felt good. I felt like I was the fastest of the whole week. And then I was like, okay, I can do it. And I want to do it so bad. And then um, that's, it might sound bad because sometimes you, 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 might, you may think that I don't want to win, but I don't want to win as much as some other time. And then when it's that time, maybe Amori, Loris, or Finn, or whatever, will want to win more than me. And then because we are so close, that small difference of will is making a difference. Like Finn in Monsantane, he wanted to win so bad in 22. No one could have won that race, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. And I think the final point you made there is such an important one that all you top boys have that skill to be able to, when you really want it, yeah. you put that with everything else you've got, like we saw with Jackson in Montserrat this year and Benoit in Leger, like you, For become, sure. you become almost untouchable. Um, it's in- interesting to hear you talk about it. Even like like all season, you could you could have example on whole season because... Except Jordan, actually, in Lenzerheide, because he was surprised, kind of. He wanted to yeah. do well, but he was surprised about winning, Jordan. Shinji in, Le- in Leo Gang was like, he wanted it so much, and he was ready, you know, he was matured enough, he was like, boom. And yeah. then Valdisol Jackson, to reply to to Jordan, his track, yeah. like, he was so good, he crashed, he wanted it so bad, boom. And then the fourth race, the fourth race was a mess. It was, anyways, and every race is a bit. Hey, you're dead right. But Charlie as well. Charlie at Worlds. Charlie at Worlds. That was yeah. crazy. Like, it was beautiful. And even though, like, he never won before, he was always super talented and fast and stuff. But that time he wanted it more, maybe. Yeah. Wonderful. Home crowd. And yeah, definitely. Okay. So after five weeks off the bike, you came back for Lens Eide, as you said. You missed a day of practice and still came 23rd. I mean, just six seconds back on Almory, but obviously by your own standards, you know that that's kind of not where you wanted to be. Um, but then a week later, you came back in Andorra and came second behind Loris. I mean, when you talked about that earlier in the, in the pod, you made it sound like you went off for two months and sorted yourself <laughs> out, but you were off the bike for four days before we were again. So try and remember back and tell us what kind of things did you and the team do in those days to go from 23rd to second? Because that's just incredible. Yeah. So a whole day of practice is a lot on the World Cup. That's a fair start. So every day you build up your final run. So to miss one, it's quite a big gap in your preparation. So I wasn't going to do well. And I wasn't riding on uh, on Ilkilos in Switzerland. I really wanted to feel my, my collarbone, to feel if I was ready. So I was a little bit scared, a little bit hurt, like I had some pain, not fully prepared, and I didn't push for my finals. So I just rode down to, to, to get a feeling, to get used to that. So I was like gutted that I was only 23rd. I was like, oh, 
that's not that good. And then Laurent was like, don't worry, we didn't want to win. We didn't want to do anything crazy. This was part of the plan for the rest of the season. Then I went back to, to, I think we did not even go back home. We went straight to Andorra and I was like, okay, I'm going to take painkillers this week. I'm not going to miss any practice and I'm going to be confident. And you know, remember that gap from the ski field down to the, like a super far stump? Stump gap thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that Yeah. I can't remember who was the first person to do it. Was it Ron? Oh, yeah. Ron and Dan was- probably. I'm so glad that wasn't him this year. <laughs> <laughs> and like that gap, I was like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Fuck it. And then I just went, pulled it, landed. Everything was fine when I landed. I didn't have any pain. I didn't feel anything. I didn't crash. Boom. And that just switched myself to, yeah. uh, I can do it again. You know, like I have everything. And then from there on, I had the confidence and I just yeah. didn't have any more pain. And I just loved the track, even though it was sketchy with all those bridges. And, um, and yeah, I was writing back to myself, I think. Yeah. It comes down to what you said before, like the, the real Lloyd Bruni didn't go to Lenzide and different. And then you went, right, we want this now. And sometimes you need those little key moments, like that gap, that stem gap for me, was it? I was like super scared, not confident. And then after it, yeah. All that insecurities fell apart and I was back to my confident self. And then I didn't really have doubts anymore. And then I was pushing. I think I was second in time training, second or third in qualifying. Like I was there, you know, so it was, it was funny to see how quick it had shift. For sure. What are your thoughts on the, the new track in Andorra? Obviously it's world champs next year. Are you, are you a fan? Yeah. Well, I used to enjoy the other one better. It was more of a, of a real track super difficult but yeah amazing it's a bit of a like an illustration of what's happening in Andorra anyways like everything is building everywhere so the finish area just disappeared so we had to move yeah. to the top of the of the ski results and I think the track is great and they made a good job to make it different uh, of all the other ones so yeah. Andorra is like has its specific specific you know this character Specific character. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right now. So it's quite. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fast, open, nothing really technical. And they got rid of those bridges at the bottom, which was uh, the main important point, I think. So I really like the track. Yeah. It's not so, it's not so like, 
easy to make a difference, but it's really fun. And it's one of those strikes where I feel like for me, at least this year, it was easy to go fast. Some tracks you feel like, damn, you have to push so much to be on top of the list. And sometimes not really. And I feel like Andorra is the type of tracks that suits me because I'm quite big and heavy and I can just flow down and not really have to move around trees slow and do like things like this. And with what happened this year with the weather and stuff, it makes me really looking forward for World Championships. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. Okay. So then moving on, obviously your DNF with the, the crash in Snowshoe after a, a wild week. I mean, we started off with a slippery track and it did progressively get better. Um, I mean, in my opinion, it, it is the hardest track to race when it's wet. Um, so bad. It's yeah. not even hard. It's like not really possible. Yeah, lottery. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard and so like you're random. It's, I hate it. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. Were you stressing about your collarbone in 22 when you were when you were there? Was that like a big thing in your mind with all the danger on the track? Yeah, a little bit. And my confidence was back from Andorra, but it was not at its peak either. So yeah, my first run down the track, I was like, oh my God, I've never, I feel like I've never rode a downhill bike before in my life, you know? Yeah. Okay. okay. And it all like spiraled down. Like the first day was a disaster. I was crashing like n more than once every run. I think I remember this from last year. Actually. I think I remember seeing you trackside and seeing you talking to one of your line guys and you were you were stressing out. I, yeah, Same. Like, <laughs> I remember that very clearly. He <laughs> <laughs> was, was swearing. <laughs> yeah. I, I crashed. I remember like at the, the end of the day, I crashed again in one of the bottom rock gardens. And I was like screaming and crying and like, like I've, yeah, cracking. What? And then I got fourth in qualifying, which was a good, good bounce back. But then finals, yeah, I lost the front at the entrance of that flat rock garden. Yep. And broke my front brake and it was, that was it. I remember. Yeah. Okay. And then, so into Montserrat dislocated the shoulder in practice, um, which, which put your preparation back. Um, you mentioned before, was there a, like a, a doubt leading into Leger whether you would even ride? Yeah, for sure. Like when I crashed in Mont-Saint-Anne, Mont it was a stupid one. I had a flat tire and you know, that small hip jump at the bottom before yeah, the last rocks. My tire kind of rolled on the side and it got, it kicked me. And when I landed, I just crashed with my bike and my shoulder popped out, put it back okay. myself. And I was like, fuck, I'm fine. It's all good. Like I went down, I was like, okay, guy, boys, something shit happens, but I'm fine. I think like I, I kept on riding all day. And then in the evening I was like, oh, I'm not fine at all. Like it was so painful. Yeah. And then that was it. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I have. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's, so I went to Austria when I went back to Europe. And they told me I had a tear in the tendon, supra spinitus, whatever tendon. Yeah. But apart from that, it was kind of good to go. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just painkillers again, strap it, and then go. But the thing, the problem was the confidence. Yeah. I was nowhere to be seen. So it was not exactly the context I would have loved to arrive in Leger, but it was this way. So I went to Leger, and then the week just slowly built up to something crazy for me you mentioned there with you dislocated the shoulder and put it back in in practice and then carried on riding that day like i'm surprised in the team your size you don't have kind of an athlete manager there for you to like yeah. talk to and then, then no you're you're done like you're waiting for leger would you listen in that scenario or is there nobody that could tell 
tell you like, dude, you've got world champs in 10 days. Like, let's just stop. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard because I have my team manager, which is like my, my mentor, like everything, like he's been so good for me all my life. And he was there. The physio was there. Werner is a super experienced guy. And then they were both like looking at me being a bit desperate and seeing that I wanted to, I was denying it. You know, I was like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. And they were like, no, but relax. And Laurent was like, I think you can ride. You have to be the top 10 next year to be protected. Well, like, you know, I was trying to see the big line and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Shit, what I shouldn't. And I think sometimes in, in racing, even though if you're well surrounded, you have the rush and you have like, and you make bad decisions and it happens a lot, especially when you're talking with p- people that you know, and that are not, they are not so objective yeah, yeah. on the situation. The other thing is you just mentioned there, you did have the top 10 overall to aim for. So there was a reason to carry on. So if you'd got yeah. that, you would have been permanently protected. And I didn't care about this, you know, okay. I didn't care about being in the top 10 overall. Like when you're not in the top five, like on the podium or top three. Sure. Yeah. And I know like it's important for protection the year after and stuff, but I I just I just I didn't want to write anymore. I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So Lolo, before we get on to World's Week in Leger, let's briefly talk about Finn's win in Montenegro. Yeah. Um, obviously he has an incredible junior career and he joined, joined, uh, your team, which is, um, also comes with huge expectation, of course. And we could argue, but it probably hasn't delivered like we thought it might coming up to, to specialized. And it took him a while to win, um, his first walk up and it took you a while also to, to, to win your first walk up. So did you think we, Finn would, um, would have won sooner? Um, yeah. Well, first, I think Jordan broke the curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you first race and won it. So that was easy for him. Crazy. But I think it's super hard when you come out of junior, when you're super successful like Finn or um, Jackson and Jordan were. I think you have so much pressure that you don't realize. And, um, and Finn... Deep down is like, he's so confident. And when you see him, like he, he breathes confidence, but deep down is also like super sensitive, I would say. And 2018, which was his first year in elite was really difficult. He started off with like a big crash in Croatia. And from there he was just realizing how hard of a task it was. And I think it took him a lot to do the reality check, you know? Like come back to Earth and realize that it was not going to be easy, and all that the talk he's been doing before that was uh, <laughs> maybe putting too much pressure that he could handle. Yeah. But even though it took a while, like I'm not well placed to talk because I took also a long time. But even though it took a while, he still did a lot of good races and consistent. And now that he, he took his time, now he's actually like really good. So maybe it was a a struggle bus for a while to now be on the really good uh, form and really good mm. level. So I feel like he's uh, where he has to be now. And even though it's still difficult, uh, mm. he's, I think he's uh, one of the best guys around the moment. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like when you look back at these memories of, of him winning at home, like I guess it must have been also a big result. I remember, remember 
old people, you as well, coming to finish area and celebrating with them, like how big of a result was it for the team as well, which was yeah. with him for a long year, long time before that happened. And also he dominated all week. You could see that he was like really the fastest guy on track. So how was yeah. it for the team getting that win? Yeah, it was very good. It was uh, a big achievement for Kevin, his mechanic, Laurent, who mm. gave a lot of credit to Finn when he was really young. And it took a while. And also his parents, like everybody was just so happy to finally see it happen. And I think uh, it was meant to happen on that day because of the track, the place, Stevie Smith, uh, Legacy, all of the things were just so beautifully aligning. And he was just... Uh, on another level, like nothing could could happen to him that week. It was impressive. And I remember the team being in a bad mood because I was having the worst season. Finn was good, but mm -hmm. not winning. And like we were not having a hell of a time. So it was much needed. And um, also the new bike, was uh, it was its first win. So a lot of oh, yeah. things came to that day. And I was so happy because I was actually like with his parents watching the race. And I prefer, like, I actually prefer him to win when I'm not racing because yeah. uh, <laughs> this rivalry we have is super intense. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you won because I didn't race. I was really, like, enjoying all of it without any bitterness or anything. So it was, uh, it was great. Nice. And did you expect to, for him to do that again this season, like having a big win like that? Yeah, I think uh, he expected it. A lot of people did. And I think that's what made him struggle a little bit this year with all the context, like leading up to Monsantan, he was having a difficult time. I think he wasn't as fast as he wished he was. Uh, the overall was there, but not really. So I think he was not in the best mindset. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there was Jackson, who was like also Canadian in the big uh, confidence wave, like everything was like going well for him. So he wanted to win a lot, Finn, like he for sure, he, like he wanted it so bad, but uh, I think he was just, he wanted it more than what he had in, in the tank. So I think it, at some point there was an unbalance in, in the situation that made him, because even in qualifying and stuff, he wasn't there. He wasn't as mm -hmm. fast as he was the year before. So then it was just kind of desperate and then he pushed and rode so well in finals, but crashed. Like, you know, I think it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't meant to be his day and it was, it was hard to see because he needed that result, but uh, I'm not worried for him. Mm. Um, so on to Leger World's Week, like um, you had a big dab in the second corner. Would you, would you think it's like excitement? You were just too excited to get going or what happened there? Yeah, I think I was just like, I was enjoying too much. I was not enough focused, to be fair. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is so nice. This is enjoy the moment. <laughs> Love it. And I just started a little bit like, like I was on the cloud, you know, and then yeah. I started pushing, but not really being like fully at, uh, aligned with the, with the whole track and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I almost bend it so hard in the second. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And then saved it. Honestly, it was a good save because I was I was close. And then from there on, I was like, okay, don't fuck it up. It's so important. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had this whole grass section where you can just like tuck and wait. 
where I was just like breathing and just refocusing. And from there on, I swear, I, I think it was my best run, the best run of my life. I was just like hitting every hole as a jump, like bunny hopping the things exactly where I wanted, uh, delaying the breakings and hitting the turns and, and the track was giving me support. And I was like, <gasps> and the people on the side, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is so good. And I, mm. all the way to the last jumps, you know, like the, those jumps was kind of weird and yeah. not really flowy. And I was just like scrubbing and fine. I was carrying the speed. I was like, oh fuck yeah, this is good. And then that last turn was the worst turn ever, kind of flat burn. <laughs> and I almost like, ah. I was like, no, don't do this. And then finished the way I could. But I just, even though I didn't want to pretend or believe I, I could win, I knew it was an insane run. And I think Amore did a really good run too, because at the end we talked behind the podium and he was so upset because he said, I did everything. And I was like, man, honestly, no one could beat me today like with this. And mm. so I was so, so proud of this. Yeah, I mean, um, we've, we've seen you do special before. Like you have one of the craziest top slits in Andorra um, also. And um, this time in Leger, you did something special in that middle sector to put like two and a half seconds into everyone's So. What did you do there? Like we, we didn't really see it on camera, so we couldn't really just see the end of it, which was a shame. But yeah. uh, definitely, definitely crazy. Get the track straight. <laughs> 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 and that's what you want to French hear. line. Typical yeah. French line. That could be it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, like I said, like I... I just felt so good on my bike. And I remember that big left turn into the long off camber. I mm. don't know if you remember, like in the, those yeah. fresh, the fresh wood. I was the only one that didn't change my line almost the whole last few days because it was moving a lot with the inside. And, and I was doing this outside cut and then in, uh, like kind of inside across. And I think like I railed it old on it and I think I carried the insane speed so on top of riding mm. well and pushing I think just on that maybe 10 seconds of track I probably gained like a lot of time so that was like one of the sections and then the rest I just felt like I don't know everything was good until that lake you know like it was kind of everything was tight and it was so rough and stuff but I was just, like the bike and everything was working so well and I just I just pushed so much, but the problem was that I didn't road so much until then. So mm -hmm. after, you know, so you have the kind of the big off camber that used to be cool. And last, this year, I feel like they fucked it up. And yeah. then it was like a long ta-ta-ta-ta. Mm -hmm. And then you went on the bike path trail. Until there, I was feeling good, kind of. But from there on, I was like, oh my God, I'm tired. <laughs> so I had a lot of, yeah, yeah. a lot of, uh, I don't know fatigue in my body so i okay. just i was trying more 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 like the more i was going down the more i was like oh my god i'm so tired so i was decreasing my pace and my rhythm a little bit so i think i didn't finish as good as i started like it's my problem sometimes like andorra in 2019 start super hard and then just give too <laughs> much too much sauce and no more sauce at the bottom yeah. and i just held it together so the bottom was good but nothing crazy so i think it was just gave too much in the top middle to finish well, but not to finish on like if yeah. I could have finished 
as good as the middle, I could have probably do even faster, I think. But I think it's also a very physical track, like um, probably one of the most physical ones in your legs. So that's understandable. Like when you don't have, don't have so much riding in you, you just, mm -hmm. it's hard. It sounds sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. easy as a spot, but it's so physical. <laughs> and when you cross the line, you had 3.9 seconds ahead of Troy. Um, of course, you said it's one of the best runs you've done. Um, did you know you've done enough or did you think it's like at least a medal? What, what were your thoughts? I knew it was at least a medal. I was like, okay, this has to be a medal, a medal, sorry. Um, but you never know. A guy like Amori, mm -hmm. you never know. Sometimes okay. I do insane runs and he's able to beat me like if 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 my run was kind of shit. So I was still like uh, stressed out waiting for Amori. He was the last one down. And then I remember him starting well because the top I did that mistake, you know, in that second top. Mm -hmm. So he was matching my time. And then as soon as he did the second split and it was like, like one second something back or whatever, I was like, okay, I think I won. Because I remember him also struggling so much on the bottom jumps. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, okay. Like looking at the gaps, the gaps was quite stable. And then he jumped off the Blackwood uh, with like a second and a half or like whatever uh, down. And then I was like, He's not going to catch up on the jumps for sure. And then he, he lost almost another second on the jumps. And I was mm -hmm. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got world champion in France with a French one, two, three. Like, do you think this like the high point of your career so far? That win? Yeah, for sure. I've had a lot of good moments in my career. And um, I'm so happy and grateful for all of that. But that day in Leger, I think I could never hope to live, to experience a day like this. From the riding experience to the whole atmosphere, the one, two, three, my friends on the podium, the Marseillaise, the national anthem, like all of it was just like a, like a massive. So that's why I think it took me a long time to come back down earth. The race after in Val Sole, I was just like nowhere to be seen. And then, uh, <laughs> national champs i crashed like it was not so easy just to come back from Leger, and but it was all worth it yeah so the next question is actually about how hard was it to refocus for after worlds <laughs> because obviously <laughs> it's almost impossible to recover from a dream weekend like that but um do you have like any how was it for you yeah, do you have any kind of like mental special mental prep for that or you just didn't care or yeah i didn't care to be fair like i was not <laughs> <laughs> It was just like too much and we had not even a week. It was like straight mm -hmm. away after. And it was the Saturday, so we had a day less to prepare. Mm -hmm. So I was just going there and and I knew I had to race because I wanted to be in the top 10 for protection. And I was like, ah, but this track, ah, but this, ah, but that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I can. Yes. And it was one of the... Only times I was in the start gate and I was like, I don't want to be here. You know, like yeah. the track was so gnarly yeah. and it was that year when it was like dead. Seen Greg yeah. break his neck. And yeah, it was like the worst Valdisol ever. Plus I wasn't really motivated. So I just su like suffered a lot mentally. I was like, struggle bus, take me home. I've done enough. Like, <laughs> All season. That I was not able to focus and get it done. It was too much, too hard for me. 
So he got 14th in the overall with some injuries, obviously resulting in no points from three rounds out of eight. But you got a World Champ jersey in your home country. Um, was 2022 the most up and down season you've had? Yeah, big time. <laughs> I think I've had a lot of ups and down. Yeah. For sure. um, but 22 was therefore the bigger down, the, like the lowest down and the higher ups because Leger was unbelievable. I still have a bit of like goosebumps, tears when I will look at videos and stuff. Like it's so big. But at the same time, like crashing in in Fort William, where I had a lot of expectations for me, like breaking collarbone, missing races, coming back, no, 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 like breaking up with the girlfriend, like everything was just like, and then like everybody was like, oh, what a season, man, world champion. I was like, man, <laughs> I just one we missed this with this year. Yeah. Oh, really? I was like, yeah. And then when you look about like when you look at it, I didn't do anything crazy except Lingier. So yeah, it saved me. Okay, let's pause there for a minute. We'll be back chatting 2023 and more after these messages. Yo guys, I'm Charlie Hatton here from Continental After Race Team. We've just been out here for a week in Ride Southern Spain. Been absolutely sick. Five days of riding on dusty, dry trails. The facilities here are absolutely mega like the villa is really nice nice pool nice uh, workshop area bike wash facilities so yeah it's got everything you need really I'm pretty sad this is my last day actually <laughs> it was mega yeah I'll definitely be back you can ride till your arms fall off i think <laughs> expert suspension tuning and customization used to be the preserve of the pros not anymore let the expert team at JTEC Suspension take care of your fork, shock, or drop a post to experience the feel of factory racing. With over 20 years' experience, JTEC Suspension are the OGs of buttery smooth suspension. Get the pro touch and get the best out of yourself and your bike. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk and chat to the experts in race-ready suspension. At the start of 2023, Specialized Gravity announced the signing of junior world champion Jordan Williams. Tell us a bit about how involved you are in that decision, Loic. Um, so I was not so involved because at first I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want anyone else in the team. <laughs> the team was doing good and I really liked the family feeling and I didn't want to add anyone else. And I didn't really know Jordan and I was like a bit pessimistic about his... Uh, not his way to be because I just didn't know him. But I, from outside, I was like, I don't know if he's cool, you know? Yeah. So I prejudged a lot. And then I told Laurent, I was like, Laurent, I don't want this. Like, I want to stay like this. Blah, blah, blah. And Laurent didn't care, obviously, and went through and signed him. Wow. Which was a bit of a, like, not a fight moment, but I was like, Laurent, you don't care about what we say. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, but I know you guys, you love him. You guys are just being dicks right now. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then we we first met him, he was just like a really good kid and good values. Even though it was different from Finn and I, I think it was a great balance, bringing some difference into our duo. So I feel like we have a really well balanced group now with me, who's pretty not like not, I was gonna say I was gonna say normal in playing that there. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty like introvert, extrovert, a bit of everything, you know, I can adapt, mellow, 
yeah. Finn, which is loud, more like extrovert, blah, 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 blah. And Jordan, which is more introvert and like super quiet. So like the whole thing works really well and we can always go to one or the other to feel good. Yeah. And I really enjoy working with them. They are quite serious uh, with their job with being funny. Like Nate, his mechanic is so yeah. funny. So the two Brits, they are actually like a really nice uh, addition to the team. So I, I enjoy them and I'm sorry for thinking they might not be a good fit. Yeah. So there's a famous military quote, which I think Al Pacino also delivers in The Godfather, which is keep your friends close and your enemies closer. There was, no, there was none of that strategy in the back of your mind. We're getting nah, Jordan on board. No, 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 not at all. And I feel like he came and I think he's, he's so funny because I used to be like him, like so naive and stuff. And now <laughs> I can kind of play with that, with his naivety. Naivety, naiveness, I don't know what yeah. to say. Naivety, yeah, yeah. Naivety. And like, it's so funny because he gets so mad, but I can just see myself also like 10 years ago. And, and I just love the... I don't know, like I'm not feeling like a big brother, but a little bit. And the way he is, is actually not saying much, but he looks a lot, he observes what you do and he respects a lot everybody. So that's super, super important. And he's a, he's a really good writer too. So that's, that's cool for me to sometimes see how simple it is to go fast because it doesn't, I, I had this theory about him and I told him he was so, he was upset, but <laughs> I was like, dude, this in life there is people, some people are overthinkers, like me sometimes or some other guys. But I didn't know they were also underthinkers. <laughs> Don't think <laughs> you're one of them. And he was like, What the fuck do you mean? I was like, bro, you don't even think about what you're doing and you go and win let's high like this. Yeah. He was like, Yeah, but you guys suck. And I get you know? <laughs> <laughs> So when, when I came up to Fort William, was it you who said, um, or one of your team said, it was you, I think, you said Jordan just hasn't worked out that he's only got one life yet. Yeah. Was it yeah. you who said that? I don't know, but I probably could have said that. Yeah, he's was- still like sending it and just <laughs> and living as, as if he wasn't a pro guy, you know, like I love it though. Like he eats raw <laughs> stuff, does nothing to recover. Like, But I feel like he's learned because actually – it paid the it paid the price this year because he was super good, and then all came at him at once, and then he was oh, and then it was hard. Yeah. Okay, just sticking on um, Jordan and Led's side. 2023 kicked off. You won the semi. Jordan won the final, as we've just talked about. You were third. Finn was fifth. You were team of the day. What was the atmosphere in the pits? Because I would have been a fly on the wall. Nah, it was actually really good. Like everybody was quite satisfied with the uh, with the results. Obviously, Jordan was over the moon. Yeah, he was like, I remember him just having tears in his eyes and just saying that he didn't know what to say or what to do. I was like, bro, there's nothing to say. I do just enjoy the moment. And I was really happy with third, and Finn was happy with fifth. So like everybody was quite good, not inviting or doing anything that the other one did instead of him. You know, like whatever, like this. Yeah. anything bad Laurent was so happy because he <laughs> bet on the right horses you know he was like wow I'm so stoked the boys you've been amazing blah, blah blah like we looked good like the kids were good the speed was there like all the work was kind of paying off so it was really good start and in the pit it was like super good spirit we didn't go so hard like except Jordan Jordan was so hard on the on the party 
but the other boys were just like having good night, uh, just drinking a little bit and having some burgers from that hotel next to the pit, but nothing crazy. Cause uh, we knew we had well, what what race was it after? We were going. We were going right away, yeah. So we were just like chilling, and we knew that it was going to be an intense season because I think the top five was in one second at that race, and like when it starts like this and all the boys are there, it's like okay, win game on. Ooh, and yeah. um, nah, it was it was good, I, and I think I needed that. I needed to realize that. There was kids coming up. There was so many people that are fast and then I couldn't chill. And I did some mistakes at the bottom that I shouldn't have made or wrestle. Yeah. So you followed up the race with the, and this was brilliant. Um, I quote, hats off to the rookie teammate. Now we stop the gifts was your Instagram <laughs> post. Um, I mean, you are a <laughs> Jedi with the old uh, mind games. Um, did you kind of keep that going throughout the season? Like, how did things move forward from there with you guys in the pits? So, uh, to give you some some background, like in Lenza High, we were playing Uno, the card game. Yeah, with Jordan and Jordan. I swear, I've never seen someone hating losing like him. <laughs> yeah, he hates losing. So yeah. you. He's either winning or he's going to kill someone. And yeah, and I don't know, like his brain doesn't functionate with Uno. He was like struggling to play <laughs> and like roasting him because he was taking so long to play. So we were cutting, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, and he, he threw his game. He was like, fuck all of you guys. I'm going to bed. You know what? I'm going to win this weekend. Like that was maybe like the Wednesday, you know, like, <laughs> night, bitch. Like we're just like, roasting yeah. him so much. And then this guy just goes and beat us. So I was like, oh my God, shit. <laughs> Actually did it. So like from there, I was just like playing around, like talking a lot of shit to each other, like saying that I let him win because I felt bad for Uno. <laughs> Thanks. And he went through the whole season in Jordan. Even at Monsantan, after the race, we went to go-kart and he smoked me. And he could not stop, about, not stop talking about that go-kart race and i was like Man, did not even qualify for the final so shut the fuck up okay <laughs> so we're just having like really like a boom like banter yeah. relationship and i think it's it's funny like sometimes it's kind of hits up but in a good way so yeah for the most part it just pushes you all in the right direction i guess yeah. i think you said in leo gang that you weren't feeling the speed I'm sure we heard that somewhere, but then second in the semi and second in the final. So the, the pace was clearly there. Were you just kind of stressing over nothing or what do you think? I don't know. This track is one of the the ones, like I said before, Andorra was easy to go fast. This one is hard. Yeah. Because you go down, maybe your third, fourth run, you're like, oh my God, it's so fast. Yeah. And then you do like time training and you're like, oh, there's five seconds to to be the fastest and you're like how do i find this so i w this was a bit my little game weekend i was like oh fuck i feel already that i'm going fast how am i gonna do it you know how am i how am i gonna go faster and um yeah we tried to work on the bike tried to work on everything around that bottom section was running good this year so i really focused on that because that was my weakness the years before when it was so soft and slippery and by so we had a really slippery race in qualifying. I don't know if you remember, remember it was like super rainy and then like this <laughs> on the wet, like it was like, oh my God. So I was like, okay, it's going to dry up. No panic. I kept on 
being confident and uh, rode pretty well in semifinals. But Finn beat me actually; he was first. So I was like, "Fuck!" You know, I was really upset because I don't know. When you someone beats you, it's not nice. When it's Finn, it's even worse because. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was like, okay. With the run I did, I had maybe like half a second or something. I was like, I can, I know I can win. So confidence was good, everything was good, and then finals come and I just rode honestly so well until the last woods. I hit a massive hole, breaking bump, and my right, so my rear brake on the right for me, like turned down, you know, like pwah, like with my arm because I kind of my hand kind of like like vibrate and went off the handlebar. On the break, it went off. And then I was pretty much like the last 20, 25 seconds, I was more on the front brake because my back brake was so hard. I came back to being tired and all that things, you know, I was like, fuck. So I finished, I knew I was, I was riding not fast at the bottom. So I was like, I felt it uh, sliding away from my hands. So that was hard, but I really felt good in the game. And I think uh, I just, my first few races were just like, really really good then i didn't i was not able to carry that to Valdesol. well that was my next question Valdesol was a rare kind of bad week for you 16th in quality 53rd um after hitting the semi, 14th in the final would you agree that there are tracks that you like and tracks that you don't like and you then struggle yeah, for sure yeah do you sure. like that switch that you've talked about when it is a track you don't like yeah, and I, it's not that I don't like Van Dissol. Uh, I like it, but I'm just really bad on the track. So um, I struggle physically. I struggle everything. Every part of me is not so stoked because I feel like it's dangerous. So I don't let go as much as the other boys, I think. So it's harder for me to push. And in qualities, I did like big mistakes because I think it was wet. There was something again with water, like it was... And I clipped out, like, I was, I don't know, it was, like, terrible. So I was like, okay, bad start. Semifinals, I'm going to be good. And I think I was first, the first split in semifinals, and then went straight in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Broke my saddle, and I was like, oh, my God, like, like, I can't do it. And then I remember, like, I could not do a full run in practice. Like, my hands were dying, and I, I couldn't hand, hold the whole run. So I was like, how am I going to do? Like, I didn't have any confidence, and then I... Same thing, like I was in the start gate, I was like, don't really want to be here, like no fire in me, nothing. And then the rain has just stopped. And so I was like, now it's going to dry up. All the boys, because I was replaced, you know, like in the middle. Yep. I was like, all the boys after, I'm going to have a drier track. Now I'm going to struggle to be like whatever, like spiral, negative spiral in my head, brought down, not so good. 14th, ciao. Okay. Shit, weekend to forget. Yep. I, was, I was never able to bounce back. And sometimes, like those switch, like I told you in Andorra, you look for them, but they never happen. So, yeah. what do you think it is, Loic? That you you're great at Mont Saint Anne, you're great on the old Andorra track, but not Fort William and not Valdisol. Like I think, yeah, I think I have mental issues. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think I built like a myth around Fort William and Van de Sol now, like I've never won there and it's always been so hard and I just go there with like fear and, and like low self-esteem. So it's harder. And I was really happy this year cause I feel like I 
didn't crack in Fort William. World no. Championships, you know, like I was like, okay, this is the year to do well, blah, 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 blah. And I won time training or whatever, like the qualifying, whatever, on the dry though. So I was like, okay, I know I can be fast. I can hold the full run, blah, blah, blah. And then race run, I kind of delivered too. So I was pretty happy. I was fourth only, let's say, yeah. but it was still for me a good result. Because I had this dry moments, I had some things that helped my self-confidence, my self-esteem and confidence. Yeah. In Val Sol, and I was looking the whole weekend for a sign for some help from the sky, whatever. <laughs> God was like, struggle, you bitch. <laughs> I was like, impossible. I, I just, I remember, and I remember Laurent, which is like, for me, like someone that knows me the best almost with my mechanic. It was like, Loic, you're not on a good weekend. And it, it was hurtful to hear that. I was like, yeah, I know, but they no, I don't say, but like you've been shit the whole weekend. You've been complaining. You've been changing everything on your bike. This is not the approach you're going to succeed with. Just go up and do a run without crashing and then that'll be fine. And if it rains, it rains. And then as it says that, it starts to rain. As well. <laughs> so it was like, honestly, one of those races where I, I would have preferred to be home. So... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it happens. I don't know, Jack, what yeah. do you think? Sometimes, sometimes you're not feeling good. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it, I totally agree with what you said about Andorra with the stump gap, where those little things that you can find on a weekend that just help you flick that switch, whether it's hitting a feature or whether it's dropping one of your mates and going, oh, he's not there. Like uh, That just flicks that switch in your mind and gives you that confidence. And when it goes the other way, if you have a crash in one of your early runs or if the bike feels shit or yeah, anything like that. But I, I wanted to ask you, like, based off everything you've just said, like, do you work with a sports psychologist? And like, do you try and address this shit so that, for example, next year, Fort Williams on the calendar, Val de Sol's on the calendar? Like, do you, in your winter and in your preparation, do you kind of address the issues you just talked about and gone, right, well, how, how are we going to next year and fucking kill it? Like, cause it sounds like it's all just mental. You're the same yeah. on every track. You're the same bike, same team. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Like I, I've been working with the same guy and now I'm thinking about maybe changing because I've, I've done a lot with him and I feel like I need to see something else, but mentally it's hard. Like it's been more like a psychologist and a, coach so we've been talking about problems you know like sometimes yeah. yeah and then i've talked a lot about what was wrong and but i've never been able to touch like concretely what was actually wrong and what could help so one of the things i think is uh physical also like Valdisol, i haven't been feeling able to do a full run with intensity top to bottom so that's like something that i'm i know is limiting myself so i'm trying to find solutions to hold on to my handlebar to feel strong all the way down because like I'm decreasing like same with Monsantan this year. I don't know if it was the tension, the pressure, like that made me crisp or tense or whatever, but halfway down, I was like not holding my bike. I was like, so like I, I have some, a lot of like big weaknesses that I think are slowing me down a lot, but I'm trying to find what it is. Uh, being pretty open with my boys in the corner to like to figure it out, to get like the criticism also from their point of view. And for sure, like the weather also plays a big part because both Val de Sol and Monsantan, it wasn't pissing down, but it was wet. 
and so I have to keep on working on the weather issue and make myself stronger, and I should be funny. Has your full run issue at Val de Sol, has that been throughout your whole career? Or has that just been no, the no, no, no. Like, honestly, it's been maybe the last three, four years. Okay. I've been struggling and I'm, I'm pissed because I know on sections, I'm like, I'm good. Like I can match anyone's speed. Yeah, yeah. But when you put it all together, I'm not able to do it because I'm, I'm psyched in my head. I'm like obsessed. And then I'm slowing down there, slowing down and then thinking about my arms. I'm like, and then it's comes and I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, yeah, it's coming at it from a negative point of view. And then obviously that makes everything more defensive. You break more. So yeah, it all makes sense. I'm working on it and that's also why like some people say, why do you keep writing, blah, 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 you've done everything, but I feel like I can be much better and I feel like I need to uh, solve those problems to be like fully satisfied and to be doing what I think I can fully do. So I'll try to make an progression on that. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to you talk about it from the, like from a coach standpoint and from a rider standpoint, like obviously seeing your career and racing like against you like to me it's like you're just fucking perfect on a mountain bike you talking like that like like more you're more negative about Valdesol than i am and yeah you beat me down there and it's like it's crazy to hear that you have this like this mental block against it and uh yeah i, I hope you figure it out it's gonna be interesting to see how you uh but i think it comes like we've talked about it and my mechanic is not agreeing so much, so if he hears this, he's going to be pissed. But I think it comes from Olinch too. Okay. Like, it's super, like, Olinch is the best I've ever seen. You know, like, the suspension, the compression, what we've been doing with them is, like, insane. But the bike is so hard to control. Like, the bike is so loaded, like, in damping and stuff. Like, it's so, like, there's so much hydraulic that yeah. it is so physical. Like yeah. you need to fucking like keep it on the ground, like like okay, handle it so hard. And I feel like I I'm talking shit because I don't know the other guys, but in the team I know, like I run the most compression, and I think it's one of the ha hardest bike. Like you look soft, kind of when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it does. But the compression is insane. And then I think in Valisol, I've never been able to find the the really the nice balance, the fine detailing between front and rear, nice enough compression but not not too much so i need to go there i want to go pre-practice there fuck it i don't care about the judgments but i need to yeah. go <laughs> and feel like i have it sorted and i need my help cool okay moving on we must um andorra you won seeding again and then we had that strange day fate uh, fate played a cruel hand for you um, if the race had been cancelled, you would have won on the qualifying standings. But instead, uh, we raced and you came down in some of the worst conditions. I think it was seven or eight of you that had had it extremely bad and you finished 22nd. You you seemed pretty upset after that one. Yeah, that was really hard. I don't know why. I feel like it's kind of the the worst thing about downhill racing is the weather being unfair for... Yeah some riders. So it happened before it have, it will happen again. Like it seems super hard to find a solution to solve this problem. But on that day I was just having 
so my first half of the season, let's say, was good, but at Valdisol, I had some little things I was not so proud. And I was like, okay, my second half, I'm going to kick ass because I have everything that I need to do it. So why am I not doing it? So let's do it. So winning qualifying just in front of Loris, which was, I think, in Andorra, in Andorra is one of the best. Yeah. He's always like insanely fast there. So I was like, okay, we're on for a good weekend. Or that. And then all of the weather mess decision to race not to race and then finally they knew it was going to rain at five at five zero zero guess what time i was starting Four fifty seven. <laughs> i was like guys and then i'm a good friend of the director of the ski resort organizing that race he was like i'm so sorry i really hope it's not going to rain it's going to hold off i was like why are you even taking the risk he was like ah there's so much already there like they had to run it you know organization wise they want to run it and then we got to the start. It was kind of like drizzling a little bit. I was like, oh, it's okay. It stopped drizzling. I was like, okay, maybe we're lucky. But it was so windy and so cold. I remember it was cold. And then, for example, classic Jordan goes up without a jacket. I was like, Jordan, <laughs> take a jacket. <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> okay, I warm up, Norris. Get to the top. Nate, his mechanic is freezing in t-shirts because he gave his jacket to this <laughs> Take my jacket, I took two, well, anyways. And then time goes by, the the weather is ap apocalyptic up there. And then suddenly, Finn, I think, is starting because we're so close to the start on the warm-up warm area. Finn starts and the weather starts pouring down as yeah. Finn starts. So we're like, oh, no. And like proper shower, like, like mountain storm. So looking at... The other boys, like Loris, Jackson, were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? <laughs> so everybody go one by one goes to the start, <laughs> and you see them, like, pedaling on this first sprint, like, soaked straight away, you know? I'm like, oh, no. So um, I talked to my mechanic. I'm like, Jacko, what are we going to do tire-wise? But right, like, Shh. ride the dries. We're good. No worries. <laughs> just do what you want. Like, we go grab some points. Don't don't give up. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But a part of me was like so upset already. I'm like, I, I could win. I could feel it, you know? And it's taking away like this, like bit of rain, it's gone. So I was like, no, I was a bit denying the, the reality. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to start. I'm going to make like uh, like a strike. I don't know what to say. Like, you yeah. know, like, we're going to start saying, no, free me. <laughs> 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 because I was so upset and I was like no if I do this no one will care I'm gonna do it <laughs> and I'm gonna have no points okay I'm gonna race and then I'm like I start boiling inside and I just do the first turns and I'm like sliding I see Loris's tire marks just like <laughs> like fully sliding all over the place and I'm like oh fuck oh fuck so I just feel like I wasn't going anywhere but I kept on believing it was possible I was like okay Sam here. <laughs> 2007 uh, <laughs> like, just driving me you know and then i was riding all right but then i got to the bottom and it was all those small rocks and i was just like all over the place and i was scared and i was like yeah i'm gonna crash if i keep pushing then i slowed down a little bit crossed the finish line 20 yeah 20 second look up and i see the podium i see finn i was like fuck the overall it's he's gonna be in a good position i see greg i was like oh greg what I see people <laughs> celebrating and I'm like, this is way too much. I have to either kill someone or do something. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I was so emotionally like mad, mad. Yeah. 
and Finn comes, Greg comes, some people come, Jordan, and I'm like, what the fuck did I like? I was just so upset, and I I was not so pro on the moment, but I was just like, it was a bit of a also a rewind of legit 2021 where I was lastest, the last guy down the hill. Yeah. Same with the weather, same guy winning on dry. Yeah. So I was like, when is it gonna be my turn to be a little bit lucky, you know? And yeah, it was just uh, tough because also. I was like pushing for the race to happen because I didn't want to yeah. win just because they canceled and taking the results of the qualifying. But now I was like the results of the qualifying with hundred percent more fair than riding mm. these conditions. Like we all had dry yesterday. We all rode as qualifying. We all like deserve this today. And then I was like, what, what are we go doing now? Like we is going to have 250 points. <laughs> I'm going to have a hundred. Like my overall is dead. Da, 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 da. I don't know. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard. And after I made a comment that I, I got some shit for, like I just posted on Tibo's Instagram. I was like, he, he said, "Thanks for uh, the bike finally won." And I was like, "Thanks to the rain." <laughs> thank you. I've seen it. <laughs> I wasn't pro either, but deep down, I am like this, and I had to do it. And I'm sorry, Tibo, if it pissed you off, but um. It was just too much. And I feel like we tried to talk with the team, with the UCI to find a solution and nothing has ever been made or find. So I'm a bit upset and I hope it doesn't happen again. But when you prepare so much, when you, you like we have seven or eight races in yeah. the year, nothing. And then one yeah. of them that way you can win, which is not all of the races you feel like this is wasted by the winner. You're like, fuck this. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. That was a long story. Yeah. We'll try, we'll try to work on this. Um, Lolo with the yeah. association <laughs> to the, to the make it better. Everybody has a different way to think. Mm. Yeah. And thanks just so honestly about it. It's, it's, yeah. it's nice to hear your honest opinion of it. There's got a lot of respect for that. A lot of people wouldn't speak so candidly. So yeah. yeah. Sometimes I talk too much. I should shut up though. That, that was spot on. Not for, <laughs> not when you're on a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, coming into London of Yale, um, so you said it, Finn leads the overall. You were in the fifth after um, that weather issue in Andorra. 201 points back, which seems like a lot. But um, obviously also there's been the World Champs win in 2022, but you haven't won a World Cup since Snowshoe actually in September 21. So coming to Ludovielle on home soil, did you think or have a feeling it might be a weekend again? No, actually, I I felt like it was not a, a good weekend because I knew myself and I was a little bit uh, salty from Andorra and the track was hard in Ludonville, like a little bit not suiting me 100% because it was a lot of off-cambers and steeps. And um, and I went to the test event, you know, and I, I got smoked at the test event. Yeah. I was like, oh, like so many guys, like French guys that race national races that uh, that I normally beat like quite usually uh, smoked me like uh, I was like oh shit so I uh, didn't have a good um, uh, first impression with the track and then I was like all week I was like attitude attitude like careful your attitude because I was trying to not complain not be talking about Andorra not da, 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 da. and then the whole week I was just really trying to be positive and it was hard too because we had some other weather problems cancel the juniors like there was a lot of things happening those two weeks so 
I right. tried to help as much as I could the groups, like the writers' association and stuff, without involving myself too much and being too negative. But I felt like it was mentally super difficult to be to be available and focused that weekend. So uh, I didn't think I could I could put it off. And Benoit was pretty good. And yeah. and the rain like track drying up, not drying up. The morning, the last run of practice, I had a big one, so I couldn't finish my run. I was like, it was not the the best build up. And uh, sometimes when you just don't force the don't force the faith, you know, you just. Mm-hmm. Doing your thing, blah, 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 it smiles to you and it happens. And I think it was a really good thing. Uh, after Andorra, I was like, thank you for giving me this one. <laughs> <laughs> as you crashed. So yeah, it was, uh, it was super good to, to bounce back so quick. And Finn, uh, makes that, that mistake goes off track. TQ'd lose all the points he would have got. So. He was not so fast in qualities and semis and then no points in finals. So his weekend points-wise was disastrous. And uh, somehow I got the overall back uh, in Ludanville. So it was a really good motivation boost. Okay, so in the weekend, um, you got second in quality, fourth in semis and first in finals. So that's a pretty good weekend, saying that you weren't really feeling it on the track. Um, How relieved were you to get back on that top step? Yeah, relieving. It was relieving, relieving, relieving. <laughs> it was relieving. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I felt like it wasn't expected. So that was also a really nice surprise. Mm. And uh, I've never won a World Cup in France before. So, like, a lot of things were just like coming together. And I was like, oh my God, I just feel so good. I can win again because. I felt like I've had the speed, except Valdisola, I've had the speed to win at the other World Cups and didn't do it, didn't make it happen. So I was, uh, yeah, feeling way more relaxed about, okay, it's possible to do it again. I have what it takes. Let's keep on finishing this season the best way we can. And I really thought, like, I thought, I still think I could have done much better this year. So it was Mm. good, but it was not like, Hallelujah, I'm winning. <laughs> I knew I could yeah, have yeah. done and I could still do better at the next races. So it was not the end of the of the journey. But uh for sure on the moment it was uh, really, really good. And I had a really nice night, chilling, enjoying. And I just like I had time. I felt like I took the time to enjoy it. Nice. Um obviously it wasn't the best weekend for Finn, which um got disqualified and you you um you took uh, first place in the overall because of that. And um, at that point, did your approach to the overall change at all? So did you, after that race, start thinking a bit more about points than uh, taking risks to win or not at all? I think unconsciously I did, but I didn't want to because the overall was like going from one team, from one rider to the other the whole season, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. but I uh, I knew that the finals were the most like they were still well evaluated like uh, valuable well they gave a lot of values to the finals mm-hmm. points yeah. so, mm-hmm. okay even though semis and qualities are, are important winning a finals is still like the key to score a lot of points so I wanted to win more and I really tried 
to do that, but Leger, it was not mm. as easy as I thought. I the track was way more squarey and slow, and mm. I was like not finding the flow. So I gave everything. Crashed in semifinals. Was 16. I was like, damn, the points. Like they all like <laughs> I'm not doing mm. bad operation at all. And then in finals, I gave everything I had, and it was not enough. So I I wasn't good enough in Leger. Um, and then same in snowshoe, like I didn't want to manage the overall, even though we were getting closer to the end, I was like, okay, I need to score points. This is not the time to manage anything. I have to put, go in the, go and put as much as I can in the bank and we'll think after, you know, and then I started the weekend really well. I was like, okay, okay. And some, uh, finals extinction. You know, <laughs> off the lights, nothing uh, working anymore. So I was like, no. And from there on, instead of making my life easier, I just had uh, the worst scenario where, not the worst, but I was still leading going to Monsantan, but I, the, the gap was nothing. There was no points uh, between me, Loris, not much with Jackson, not much with Finn. So I like everything was just going to be up to the last run of the year. So recovering from the crash which was like so painful and handling the pressure was almost too much for me so that i finished it can i just rewind a little bit there because i yeah, watched so- your youtube video from snowshoe today and what I, what really stood out for me was that you have a such a clear plan for every day when you're there so you you said oh there's two practice sessions i'm doing three runs in each session first run i'm going to get my marks try lines I spotted on track walk second run adapt to the first run stop exactly where your line spotters are and find out what's going on there third run start to get some pace then in the afternoon validate your lines go faster and change the settings on your bike is that process do you come into every race weekend like that yeah it's uh it's part of my routine I think so um, I'm trying to follow that plan most of the time we talk a little bit with the crew over the plan to make sure we all agree. Sometimes it will be a little bit different, but I try to follow a plan so I don't ride just to ride. Yeah. And then come into the end of the first day and be like, and be like, oh, what the hell have I done today? Like, I just had fun. I just rode for fun. I didn't prepare this line. I don't know where to go here. I don't know what to do. The bike is not really there. So I really try to make it as a work day, you know, try to be efficient and productive. And sometimes it's go, it goes really well, sometimes it doesn't. So it's really hard to adapt when it doesn't. But Snowshoe was uh, flawless until all the way until finals. So, how, how many people, other people do you think approach it like that? Do you approach it like that, Jack? Is there a solid plan for all your guys? Or do you think there's still people who turn up and just ride? Um, I think you've got to have some kind of plan because practice is so short more yeah. wind where you can get on track so yeah i i have like a similar to like from what you read out like it'll be more of like and Lloyd's probably the same like you can make a plan but if it rains or if you want to change a tire or if something happens you do need to be adaptable within yeah. that and always stick to the structure you thought you would do you, you may do a certain number of runs and either need more or less than you planned but but yeah for sure like if you don't manage your time and have a good strategy, then you're probably just going to be stabbing in the dark. Also in that episode, you talked about the cartridge you were using in the fork and you wanted to change the range of the travel that you were using to correct the balance. Yeah. Tell us a bit about what you were feeling and how 
what you did to correct it. So if I can remember well, I think my bike balance was a little bit too much on the rear. So snowshoe being one of the flattest track and so rough, uh, you need the balance to be way different than the one you would race in Andorra or uh, maybe Valdisol, for example. Yeah. So um, we had a new cartridge that we were trying and it was like, it was really good, but I just wasn't sure exactly until where we could push the PSI. Because I, I liked my hydraulic in the fork, but I didn't like my balance. So I was try- just trying to drop more and more the air on the front to find that spot where the front hits the, the bump, let's say, or the rock perfect. And the rock, the, and the rear, sorry, just hits it and kind of keeps accelerating instead of just like, bow, like having the front too light and then the head, the rear just taking it all. So um, that was the goal let's say of uh of setting up the bike yeah. and i remember that we took pretty much all of the first day to do that but from there on we pretty much didn't touch anything uh, till uh till the last day so yeah so you talked about snowshoe um and obviously that it, the weekend was almost perfect until that crash and i remember because i was at home with oh, cam yeah. and we were watching and to be fair, I didn't see it coming either. It kind of came out of nowhere. But I know that section because I've ridden that track as well. And I almost crashed there before. Um, have you worked out what happened? I, it seems to me that you were go- doing a line that's slightly different than others. You were trying to like go a bit right of that rock where you were slid. Was that on purpose or did you find yeah. out what happened? So first of all, I was uh, mentally struggling because... Like semifinals, I would I rode well, but nothing crazy. And I, I had a good gap and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to ride now. I don't know how to adapt to finals because I don't know what the other guys did or not. I was a bit lost. So I was so tired. That track with the new format, the two racer, it was so hard. So I came into that section and I was always going super close to that tree on the right. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to set up, get close to that tree to have a rounder approach on that next super flat section. And in the morning, I got too close, touched it, and almost crashed. And I was like, oh, went back up, did it again, normal, find my my rocks, because you have to find some marks on the floor. Mm. I got to figure it out. And then in finals, I remember I was cooked. Same thing, like like that. those rocks are just like draining the life out of you, you know? So I was, um, I was trying to re- recover and regroup before that last drop crossing the road in the last road garden because that's like the last really hard mm-hmm. section before you go to the finish and as i kind of focused on regrouping and stuff i was i was in that section and i went a little bit too close to that tree and barely touched it like barely and then that rubber of my grip against the rubber of the mat kind of gripped really well like uh like mm-hmm. a all over the first side <laughs> and then the the smallest amount of like and this balance like that hooked me on the side. I was too cooked and not prepared. And I just, wah, I went off balance to the left and just tumble in the rocks. And I didn't have time to, to react. And I was not ready to react. And I was just cooked. So I wasn't, uh, I was on the floor. I was like, 
<laughs> those rocks honestly they're fucking painful and so dangerous to crash there so i finished mm. because i had the overall in my head i was like okay i have to finish i have to score some points whatever take my bike my chin stay was no my chin ring was bent so i couldn't pedal so i stopped with no speed i was like almost <laughs> ochibing on the rocks finished the race <laughs> and yeah i just i don't know really I could have I could have avoided it, but I didn't see it coming at all. Sure. Yeah, well, you were still leaning the overall, though, coming into Montanan. Yeah, um, because Jackson had a flat, I think, so it was mm, not it was yeah, like thing yeah. too. It didn't scope it. Big amount of points. Yeah, crazy season. Um, coming into Montanan, so who who did you see at your biggest threat for the overall? Loris or Jackson? Loris and Jackson. I knew Finn was good. In Monsantan, but it was it's quite it was quite far on the points, and his <laughs> last walkers were not that amazing. So I was like, okay, he's not the most dangerous one. While Loris never won an overall, so he, he wanted to win. Uh, was super close on points. Jackson so talented, raised in Canada, like he was going to be good. So those two were the most dangerous for me, even though I wasn't taking Finn out of the equation. Um, and I went there really focusing on Loris. Sometimes, you know, you're like, and then we talk with Loris and I was like, okay, it's either you or me. We won't let the Canadians get it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we're like quite strong about it, like in, mm. and together. And, uh, and I felt him being struggling that week. So I okay. kind of, I kind of felt good about this. Like it's not so nice, but I was like, okay, Loris is struggling. I'm winning the qualifying. I think I won qualifying. I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is playing out to be good. And I kind of forget, forgot that Jackson was so close in the overall. And then we go to the last day and it was kind of wet and wet and stuff. And Jackson was riding so well. And I was like, oh my God, Jackson is actually <laughs> big threat. And then uh, <laughs> I just couldn't handle the pressure. I didn't want to know anything points who was going to do that if what place i had to do if jackson win i didn't want to know anything and i was just like struggling a little bit with my body the end of the season fatigue and i just rode so tight and i i barely didn't make it you know like and i remember like the first right away taking a big piece of mud on my face like and then I, at the like the last fast section before the first woods i was trying to get my chair off and i was missing it missing it <laughs> and i was like eh. like nothing was going as planned but uh kept it together still so it was good yeah i mean you still finished third which isn't bad considering um you wrote tight he said <laughs> yeah. and uh and Loris finished 10th uh but only one and a half second back on you so that that's pretty crazy because if you had finished there, you would have lost the overall. So um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty crazy um scenario. Yeah, I, think I got lucky because I I rode not so good, but just good enough because I think I was the first guy before like a long list of uh, of good riders in the same seconds, like super tight. Mm. While Jackson and Ethan smoked us, you know, like Jackson was like. I don't know how much, like a lot, like five or six seconds in front of me. Uh, Ethan was like two in front of me. And then from me to Bernard, it was 0.1, 0.3, 0.1. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. so it was 
uh, super tight for me. I think we yeah. talked on one of the episodes because Bert, didn't Bernard say he thought that he handed you the overall or something like that? If he'd have beaten you, you would have lost the overall. But that isn't. I went and checked, and you'd have had to come tenth where Loris came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bernard <laughs> one did some credit. And... <laughs> <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> okay, thank you, man. <laughs> nah, nah. I oh think, my god. Uh, say that. Maybe on the moment, but I don't know if it was true. I think I had to be further down, but yeah, still. Tenth, mm. tenth, yeah. yeah. Um, so Jackson's win in Montserrat, there's um, huge similarities with Finn's uh, win the year previous. Um, I don't know, this kid is kind of not changing the sport with the way he rides. We talk about it a lot. Um, I think I heard you say on the Red Bull podcast that you're going to lose five kilo in this off season. Is that in response to Jackson or? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I have to, I have to observe what's working for other people and, uh, and try to adapt because, um, some of the tracks this year was so not flowy, like the way they were taping with those big pads, trying to break the speed, but not really like it was, I don't know, like. I didn't feel like it was as flowy as it used to be. And I struggle with my weight. Like I'm not so fat, but I'm just heavy. So like sometimes when it's squarey and slow, I'm just like, mm, like I'm slow. Like I'm not like, like a pinball like Jackson can be. So I feel like I have my strength on other sections where I'm just heavy and rolling like a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if I lose a bit of weight, I can be a little bit more polyvalent and playing mm. a bit better in all of the fields. So that's How my goal. How heavy are you? I was 85. Now I'm okay. 83. I lost a little bit. But now it's Christmas time. So, <laughs> 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 so yeah. I no, it's I interesting. Do you think also that could help you with what you were saying before, like um, the energy serving, yeah. that, like maybe in your riding? I think it could be a good uh, solution to some of my problems. I don't know if it's the one, but it could. it's worth trying. Uh, yeah. I'm also looking at Jordan, which is in my team, who has uh, an insane amount of talent, like Jackson. is uh, a bit less, I think, uh, confident. So sometimes it's not as consistent as Jackson, but he has mm -hmm. the same crazy speed. So yeah, the sport is evolving. The riders, the field is evolving. So I'm just trying mm -hmm. to find my way to uh, to make it. But for sure, like Jackson in Monsantan felt exactly the same as Finn. Like the way he rode, there was no competition really. Yeah. Like he was just pushing and like if nothing could ever happen to him, the way he was entering the rocks, exiting the rocks, I was like, is he aware that we all have something called death that's possible <laughs> to happen in any moment, you know? Like he was <laughs> pushing, pushing. And I think that's cool that, That's what Finn, I think, should take from that race, even though he crashed, is that Stevie inspired Finn and somehow Stevie and Finn inspired Jackson. So it is like super cool in story. And uh, yeah, next year, if I figure a lot of things, Finn and Jackson will be inspired by Loic. <laughs> um, okay. Next question is seven different winners in eight races this uh, races this season. Um, do you think that's going to be the norm now that we're going to see that more often? Or do you think we'll see a rider come through and dominate? You never know, to be fair. It's, uh, 
I think if one guy, if today one guy can dominate, it's either Amori because he's doing it before, he's done it yeah. before, or Jackson. Yeah. Because of the way he writes. But all of the other guys, like me included, huh, it's not to be mean to anyone. I don't think we have what it takes to dominate like that. Like we are way more, I would say, human, where we are just like inconsistent and we just make more mistakes and we have a little bit less talent. So sometimes it doesn't save us as much. And so I think those two are the only ones that can uh, dominate, even though through a winter, through whatever, you can have breakthrough and guys like Loris can dominate also a full season. So we'll see, but it's cool for the sport that you have so many different winners and it keeps it interesting for people to watch. Like sometimes when you watch other sports like Formula One, I stop watching like the guy mm. like Max is winning pretty much everything. So it's killing the the suspense and the hype. So at least downhill is not running short on that short on that. And I would like it to stay like quite shared the amount of wins and uh, mm. who's winning and what tracks. Because if you look, there's so many different tracks, conditions and winners. Like, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of changes this year with, um, yes, and Warner brother taking over. Um, of course there was always going to be like heating problems at the beginning when there is a change like that. But, um, what are your thoughts on it all? I was really skeptical. At first, because I thought Red Bull was doing a great job before. And I was a bit like not confident and trust trusting the new people in charge. So they had a lot to prove and they had a lot on their plate because they just come after like one of the best in business, you know, like they've been doing so yeah. great. So it wasn't easy for them, but I feel like uh, after a winter of struggle, like from the team manager side, from what I've heard to the writer's side also, like we had no communication. It was so hard to get any information or like to make things move forward. Like it was a disaster. So it was like a really bad start of what was going to happen. They turned it around into something pretty cool that worked, even though I'm not a big fan of the format. And I think the broadcast is great, but can be always be better and has to be better. Uh, the sport's doing good. I know we've lost a lot of uh, core fans from Red Bull, from Rob Warner commenting, from the free access to the lives and stuff. I think there's a lot of people to re get loved again, you know, from them. But um, I, I don't see why they couldn't do it. They or they can't. They could not succeed in doing that. And uh, I think they finally understood that all the only thing we want the writers and managers is to help the sport and help everybody get better conditions and better, like make the sport better. So it's still not pitch perfect and smooth and blah, 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 but it's getting better. And I think, uh, in a few years it will be at a better point than what I thought it could be. So hopefully I will, I'll still be around to, to see that. And, uh, I trust a lot the process because my team manager trusted. Mm. sometimes I struggle to see like on the long run the potential and the sacrifices we have to do this season has been intense like I've never felt intensity as bad interviews all the time those two runs in the last day not much practice so you had to, to rush so much like it was so intense so we've done like all the riders done a lot more than what they used to 
And uh, so I think ESO and should be quite grateful for that. And I hope that we will have better conditions soon. So you, you were saying that you were see the seasons be very intense. Is that to do with the format in the semifinals as well? Yeah, yeah. That has a lot of part of what I, in, the, in the intensity I'm talking about, uh, for sure. Two races. Fan like or the, not fan? Are you a fan or not a fan? No, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. <laughs> for me, downhill is one run. All the build up to that one run, one opportunity, boom, pasta. You don't have like yeah. qualifying and this is not enduro. You know, we don't have like hundreds of time runs. Like, no. So uh, also the fact that I felt so tired with only eight races, like so that's why sometimes people don't realize that one race is not just three minutes. It's traveling there, track walk. Every day is so long. Every day is so tiring. And then you only have like three minute race, but now they added a super important run before that. So you have to calm down, re remobilize, refocus, but like you're so hard. So I think we should go back at some point to just find this. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. I think it is like it is a good idea on the paper, the semifinals, but no, like yeah. it doesn't really work. It takes hype away from like someone who's watching the semis. Why would you spend your whole Saturday watching downhill? Like same thing twice. Do something in the morning, have lunch with your friends, and then watch in the afternoon the race. Don't spend your whole day watching. Like I think it's it's yeah, it will be better without it. Last few questions. One of Finn's frames was photographed on the back of a truck in Snowshoe. Was that leaked on purpose or did the shit hit the fan? I got a glitch. Sorry. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't really want to spend that, like waste time with that. Like it was a bit of a, I think it was not fully hidden. Like it was like yeah. a, easy circumstance for john to walk on the frame and protect it so they were like yeah you can no worries like it was time for it to be revealed so they didn't care yeah but i don't know exactly how prepared it was and do you know if the bike's going to production yet no not yet because i know they're still like planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Uh, updates coming yeah. before they want to validate and go into production. So I, I'm wondering and hoping that 24 will be the last year on a prototype chassis and 25 will be production. And I'm so excited for, for it to be production because I think it's a really good bike and I hope some people will be able to get it. Get it. Nice. So on to 2024... Um, I have an off-script question. Um, oh. If one rider out of Amory and Jackson wasn't going to race next year, who would you choose? The one that wasn't going to race. Which one do you... Jackson staying squamish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because Amory hasn't raced all season. I miss him and I'm scared of Jackson a little bit. <laughs> you know, not scared, but I, I like I know how good he is, and sure, yeah. he should only get better. So we we have to step it up, and we will. So I'm yeah. excited to see how we do. But if I have to choose, yeah, I would like to see Amori at the races. Okay, more Frenchies is always better. <laughs> <laughs> so Red Bull Hardline is going to Australia. When um, we see you're on the start list, uh, what's going on there, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was so keen. I was like, yeah, Rob, put me on the list. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be in New Zealand. It's, it's matching perfectly. Blah, blah. And then I saw Win Masters video. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what have I done? You know, like, it looks way too big. I was like, this is actually stupid. Like, And I told Rob, I was like, Rob, why are you guys so crazy? Like, it's not supposed to be a death jump. Like we have to still like make a cool race, make it tight. You know, like it's not about the size of the features that much. Like it has to be big, but not stupid. The the point. I think it is. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think he agrees with me because he wants good, ra good racers to come. Like not only free riders and stuff because free riders, they come, they chill, they do tricks. It's cool for the, like the, in, the social media clips, but down, down the road, like racing wise, that's not what they do, you know? Yeah. So, I think they have to adjust. They're just feeling, trying some stuff out. I'm, yeah, I'm not so convinced that it's a good direction. I, I think even the bikes are not built for some of the things, you know, like it's, it's pretty sketchy. So I will go and check it out. And if it's too much, I'll be, I'll gladly be a chicken and be like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> this weekend I'll be a pussy. Yay. No problem. <laughs> I stay, I chill. So we'll see about that. But I think it's cool. Like, I really love the concept of Outline. And I think we have less races next year. So I want to do more. Yeah. And that, that could be cool. Nice. Has the training started already for 24? You mentioned you lost a couple of kilo. Have you been training hard or is it after Christmas? I've been training, but not so hard. So I've been training, doing some endurance, trying to also enjoy time on the moto, doing yeah. some little things like this, but nothing 
super sales or super intense. It's going to come. I'm going to go to California end of no start of January. And then from there we start. Cool. And is there much to test on the bike or will you be going into next season with roughly? No, a lot to test. Okay. Actually. Yeah. We've tested some really good stuff already from Olin's and we have uh, things from specialized other things from Mullins. So a lot, a lot to test. We don't have, I think, uh, exactly what we, we will like, we don't know. We don't have yet the tires we will have for the season. So that will come later, but right now we're testing a lot of things and it's really interesting. Cool. Um, thoughts on the 2024 calendar. I mean, are, are you going to be focusing primarily on that world champs again, or will you be focusing on the overall as well? Yeah, overall for sure. Uh, Fort Williams stays a big goal, first race of the year. Uh, I've never won, so I would like to do well. Uh, hopefully one day I will be able to win there, but I don't know if it's next year. But as a first race, it will be cool to kick off the season on a good point there. Uh, World Championships, for sure. I really I like Andorra. I like the track. And last year left a bit of a salty taste in my mouth. So looking forward to that. I think it's cool that we go to Poland, new place. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect. I'm a bit sad that we only have seven World Cups. Uh, it's kind of lame, to be fair. Like, only one overseas and six in Europe. So, like, it's cool to have Poland and stuff, but we have the same ones again. <sighs> like, honestly, sometimes it needs a bit of a novelty, I think, that we hopefully will get in 25, but I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe some other events like outline, some crankworks and stuff like that. And I don't know yet if I'll do hardline, uh, or not. Like I want to go, I will go, but I will see like if it's too stupid and I think chaos and Kate go test the jump soon on January. If, uh, they tell me it's, uh, sketch, stay stay in New Zealand and do something else. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, last question for you then. Um, we've had the GOAT conversation before, and I think Martin Whiteley puts you number four on his list based on your, your current achievements. You're 29 now, so yeah. you're coming to the big three soon. What? What's more likely to happen? So you retire at 30 at the end of 2024 or still be racing at 40 in 2034? What do you think is more likely? Uh, stop at 30 is more likely. <laughs> I don't want to be 40 or 45 and still be like Same. throwing myself down the hill. For sure. Like, I, I respect a lot the ones doing it, but I think right. there's other things in life and and it is dangerous and it is hard and and I enjoy it, but I know I think on the long run, yeah, and as soon as I will feel like I'm not competitive, mm-hmm. ciao. Yeah. And I would love, uh, that would be like one of the big things in my life. I would love to stop on a high. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And not wait until the end of my contract years and be like not even passing, I don't know, to finals or whatever. I mm. want to be remembered, let's say, as someone good. Yeah. But it's like Bernard. It's like uh, Bernard. He's still waiting for 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 his win. Maybe it still would be that forty. Yeah, <laughs> but still. Is, <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I've had a different story than Bernard. So yeah, I was sure. 
like I think Bernard is still enjoying a lot, like taking it more lightly mm-hmm. and stuff. Like me and my team, like they've always put more pressure on me and mm-hmm. more like expectations. So I've had like a more intense, let's say, career. So For since sure. I was younger and stuff. So I think if let's say there is a you know like dog years, yeah. if uh, uh, Bernard and me we're both dogs, we're a little bit on the same age, you know, because I've been. Mm-hmm. Spending more time and recovering from more injuries, maybe. For sure. So we'll see, but I want to do at least 24, 25, 26, 27. Nice. Look at your dad, though. Still yeah. missing at what, 60? Yeah, yeah. My, my dad is still recovering from that big injury he had last year, but yeah, 61 and 61. still racing. And now he knows like racing downhill is maybe a bit of a dangerous one, so he will ride for fun. Yeah. But yeah, my dad is not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I might see him in Champery for uh, European Championships, unless yeah. he's going. Unless he's going to Cairns for World. No, he's not going to Cairns. No, 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 it's too far. And I think he will go maybe because it's two years, no Cairns. Yeah, yeah. I think he will maybe go on the second year because yeah. now he's still struggling with his femur and it's not. He's not ready. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, look, thank you for making the time to come on the show. I know you're an incredibly busy man and it's much appreciated and thanks for talking so candidly congratulations on another fantastic season and i hope you have a fantastic christmas and a, and a great 2024 thank you so much thanks for the time thanks for the the podcast you guys uh finished the year well and we'll see each other soon i hope and um yeah take care of uh, take care of yourselves cheers like talk soon Lolo. thank you ciao ciao bisous ciao ciao bisous That's all we've got time for in this episode. Thanks to the wonderful sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalbe and SingletrackWorld.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'm sure you know what to do by now. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review or give us a follow on Instagram at MakingUpTheNumbersRacing or Facebook.com slash MakingUpTheNumbers. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for all your support this year. It's been another fabulous year of racing and another fabulous year for the podcast. I've got a lot happening in January, so we'll be back in February with more. Merry Christmas to you all. Let's hope 2024 is another good one. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers.